Hi, this is Bruce Boxleitner, and you're listening to Then Is Now podcast. Warning, warning. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Hello and welcome to Then Is Now Podcast, special 2023 edition of 13 Days of Hallotober. I am your host, Rigor, and the topic this year has been werewolves. So far, we've covered several werewolf films, and today is our video presentation, The Wolfman Roundup, in which we'll discuss the original Wolfman from 1941 and its remake, The Wolfman, all one word, uh, from 2010. So if you're listening to the audio podcast version of this show, just you might want to check it out on YouTube. Uh, the link is youtube.com slash user slash Uncle Death One, because we are going to have some uh, images that we're going to show and stuff like that. So yeah, check it out if you're only listening to the audio version. So joining me today is, of course, frequent guest co-hosts, Spency and Michael. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hello. Awesome. Awesome. I think we're all werewolf enthusiasts. <laughs> yes, definitely. Absolutely. So we may have a few other guests that will pop in in the show, and if they do, we'll, we'll introduce them. And, but for now, we've got a real big show for you today because, um, oh, I first, I did want to mention my, our co-host on the Fright Lounge, Bill Van Ren, could not be here today. Uh, but I wanted to give a plug for his fanzine because, and I'm going to just move my camera here so that I, uh, not my camera, but my thing so I can see it. Um, I'm going to show you his latest issue, which is Drive-In Asylum. And it's basically this magazine where he he's got all kinds of interviews and he has like um, all kinds of awesome movie ads in it. And he's got an article by yours truly, which is the horror and exploitation films of soap opera star Tristan Rogers. So check it out. It's available on Etsy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but if you you know, you want to just look it up now, just uh do a search for drive in asylum or groovy doom on Etsy and, or just the internet in general, and you'll find it. And it's a really great magazine. It's really fun. It's real thick. Whoopsies. I've just knocked almost everything over, but um, there's a lot of pages to it. And he puts a lot of work into it. So I highly recommend checking out Bill's drive in asylum magazine. So anyways, our topic today, we are of course on the Wolfman roundup. And it is we are going to cover, like I said, the original Wolfman and the remake. So now the original is a classic. It's beloved by everybody. 
uh, at least everybody on the show today. I'm, I know there's far more people that love it, um, you know, and how dare they re- make a remake. But, you know, how indeed uh, we'll get onto all that here and see if uh, see if the remake has improved with age. And I will warn you, there are spoilers here. So let's jump right yes. into it. Um, I'm going to give the synopsis of the Wolfman from 1941 first, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. We can, of course, jump back and forth and any other werewolf movies pop up. Obviously, that's um, more than welcome here. So the synopsis for the Wolfman is even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Upon first hearing these words, Larry Talbot dismisses them as childish. After all, this is the 20th century. How can a human being turn into a a wolf? Talbot soon learns how when he attempts to rescue Jenny Williams from a nocturnal attack by a wolf. Collapsing, Talbot discovers upon reviving that Jenny is dead and lying by her side is not the body of a beast, but the body of a gypsy named Bela, played by Bela Lugosi. The son of fortune teller Maliva, Bela was a lycanthrope or wolf man. And now that he's been bitten by Bela, Talbot is cursed to suffer the torments of the damned whenever the moon is full. So first impressions and Spencey, I want to go with you first, since you're the youngest one here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the original Wolfman? Do you remember when you first saw it? Uh, well, first impression of the Wolfman. I have a lot of impressions of the Wolfman. Um, you do impressions. I, I, I can do lots of impressions. Um, <laughs> my, the Wolfman for me is a very special movie. I saw this when I was a little kid. I don't remember the first time I saw it. It's been one of those pieces of my life that I've always known has existed. And since I, there was never a time in my life where it didn't exist. I have always loved it and always wanted to watch it and always see it and always come back to it. Um, things like that. Uh, I, I love the movie since I was a kid, since it stimulated my imagination. But now as I've grown up, I appreciate it as a film as well. Um, So I don't have a, I don't have any kind of fancy stories with it. It's just always been there for me. So I really have a, have a deep appreciation for this film, but I also have a deep understanding of some of the, the fair critiques levied against it and the remake. So I'm not, I'm not blindsided, but it is a important thing for me. Right, right. And I don't have the number in front of me, but you and I talked about this on an episode of Then Is Now a while back, probably a couple of years ago. I think it was the first couple of episodes. Maybe. May have been. Yeah. So, Michael, what, what's your um, what's your history with the uh, the original Wolfman? To be honest, I don't remember when I first saw it. Uh, I remember seeing tons and tons of pictures of Lon Chaney in the makeup. So I always had like a very clear idea in my head of what the Wolfman looked like, the classic Wolfman. And I always thought it looked pretty cool. Uh, But honestly, I don't recollect when I first saw it. Normally I would say, oh, Roger, you showed this to me because, you know, you got me into a lot of horror stuff. But, and I think that must be the case because it was kind of an older movie. So I, I probably didn't sit down and watch it until you showed it to me at some point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I think uh, in the beginning, just, just the sight of him uh, creeping around in the tree, the shadows of the trees, you know, looking like he did, that was enough to satisfy me the first time I saw it. Then this time I watched it and I was like listening to the dialogue and watching, you know, lots of other things that uh, happened in it. So, but yeah, it's very cool. 
Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have the same experience as Spence. You know, I grew up with it. The universal horror films were on TV all the time when we were kids. And um, so, again, I don't remember my first uh, time seeing it because it was just always there, um, along with, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula and all them. Um, But this movie, you know, I always love Cheney's portrayal. Um, It always made me want to become a werewolf. I love the story. I love the atmosphere. And um, I think this is among Universal's best horror films, in my opinion. Um, And it holds up well. I, I think this movie holds up very well uh, throughout the years, you know, watching it again today. Yeah, there's a little bit of a creep factor uh, with with um, Cheney's Larry Talbot and his telescope. And we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But um, so I have some graphics here and I'm going to call I'm going to conjure up because this is the conjure. No, it's not the conjure. Um, so, I mean, would you guys agree that this movie holds up? Um. You mean like visually, story-wise, just in general? Just in general, yeah. Watching it like a modern audience watching it today, um, is it is it super dated or is it still enjoyable? I guess. I think it's still enjoyable. Um, although, again, I I, th- I saw it, you know, much later than a lot of people did probably the first time. Um, but I really liked the the story. My roommate watched it with me. He'd never seen it, and he he was really interested in it and really, and we, we actually watched the the remake last night and he said, no, I really like the original better, but yeah, I think Lon Chaney's um, did a really good job of going from someone who doesn't really believe in that garbage to Holy shit, this is happening to me. And, and uh, you know, the suffering through it and everything. I mean, it really did seem like a curse um, instead of a, like you said, it made you want to be a werewolf, but I was like, well, the movie kind of presents it as something you wouldn't want to be, <laughs> but yeah, I think it holds up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spence being part of uh, Gen Z. What do you think? I've I'm not, I don't qualify myself as Gen Z. I I'm so disconnected from it. It's, it's, it's actually incredible. Even, even on my own in the semi-adult world, I'm very disconnected, but this movie, I think, from a filmmaking perspective, absolutely holds up. I think from a story perspective and a dialogue perspective, it's narratively satisfying. I think it hits all the beats it wants to hit on. And I think it's honestly ahead of its time. It's going to be dated by sheer accepted practice because it's not some sort of future film. It's it's 1941. It's meant to be taking place in you know the 1930s, 1940s. So things just changed from that. It by nature of it being black and white is dated, um, things like that. But I don't think from a filmmaking perspective that it is it is some some lesson to learn in terms of filmmaking. I think it's a quality film where it really does do what it's meant to do, and it with the makeup itself, the special effects. I mean, yeah, they feel dated to us, and things get more advanced, but. Even even from a modern audience perspective, it's not a bad it's it's not at all that bad for things we can get now. We have worse CGI that is that better executed in this movie. Mm. So I, I think just purely from most of the standpoints, I think maybe from a cultural perspective, we've improved from it because of some certain story elements. But at the end of the day, I think that's just kind of a case by case basis. From an actual filmmaking perspective, I think it's a quality film that would that if they tried to make it today and simply modernized everything, it would be a, re- a reasonable success. Mm. Right, right. 
<clears throat> I agree. So, all right. So I'm going to uh, share some pictures here, some movie ads. This one is from the Baltimore News Post from January 12th of 1942. And you guys can see that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then we've got. I love that shot of the light coming up from under his face. It makes him look so scary. Yes. Yeah, it looks cool there. What and boobies. fascination did this monster have for women? <laughs> <laughs> It's really only one woman that he's to terrorize women. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you got to put that on there to get people in the theater. Right, right, exactly. It was always about getting butts and seats. Oh, and then our second feature is W.C. Fields never giving a sucker an even break, which is a funny movie. <laughs> that dude in the in, in the uh, it looks like Vincent Price. It's not Vincent Price, but that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he does, look, look, like he does look like Vincent Price from this. Yeah. Uh, that's. It's probably so a funny. little pre-Vincent Price. I, I think that's the psychiatrist in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor. Yeah. The poor gypsy lady looks like a frog. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not a great. It's not a great. I mean, Claude Rains looks pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm Claude Rains. <laughs> yeah. I'm Claude Rains, bitches. <laughs> I, find, I find it very interesting that the ad for the film has the Wolfman like plastered front and center. Yeah. And people were like, it, it's really more of a testament to the fact that it wasn't what he looked like. It was the transition from that a person looks like that. Like, yeah, we, we've been able to do special effects for a little while. You know, we've been able to do theater for ages. But the fact that you're able to go on film in seconds, take a take Lon Chaney and turn him into that is what was so impressive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the next one is, oh, this is an Italian poster with Maria Uspenskaya. I like this one. I've never seen this. That's one. very cool. Isn't that cool? Except for the bat in the background. I think that kind of kills it. <laughs> it doesn't look realistic <laughs> at all. But the rest of it is really good. Dracula <laughs> going, what about me? I know. Right? I like blah, to see that Dracula's keeping his, keeping his eye on everything, you know? I can turn into a wolf, too. <laughs> and it's funny. He's got his hands crossed, like as if he was going to be in a, in a coffin. Mm. <clears throat> But yeah, that's a that's a great poster. I, I was surprised I never poster. saw this from the Italian release. Luomo mm. Lupo, the man wolf. <laughs> right. Mark of the man wolf. Spider-Man didn't know. All right. So anyways, uh, <laughs> this one from uh, this is from the Berkeley Daily Gazette from April 1st of 1942. The night monster killing, prowling, terrifying a countryside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A countryside. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Again, playing uh, alongside uh, W.C. Fields and never give a sucker an even break. Oh, and there's would, free parking. So would they <laughs> would they have played the comedy first and the horror movie second, do you think? Or I think no. it comes after. Yeah, after. I think the because um, the, this is where the term B movie comes from. B movie doesn't mean bad movie. It means you had the A movie and then the B side, like on, a, on an old record. You had the, oh. the B side. I never knew that. Huh? W.C. Fields film would be the, the B movie. Cool. Uh, ah, I was yeah, wondering where that, that came from. Yeah. yeah. This one's from the man. Ottawa citizen from April 1st of 42. Unholy man or unholy beast. I can't even see I know. what the hell the image is at the top there. It looks like a demented gorilla. <laughs> I mean, it's not an inaccurate statement for what like they, I can hardly tell making. that it's oh I see it now okay yeah. Yeah. okay and this is like ripped from that other picture like it's it's funny how they made all these ads you know mm. and it, this I one, like the dude looking up that's cool yeah that's Bela, Bela that's Bela Lugosi. Lugosi. Yeah. oh 
That's right. The mustache. Yeah. And um, this was playing with swing it soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. What is the it in that? Right. I like, how, it, I like how they say second big hit exclamation point, but it's like a teeny tiny like portion. It's right. not like yeah. a 50 50. It's just second big hit. This this movie that you're not going to get anything. Well, you know, when I were I worked at a hardware store back in the 1990s. And at one point, one of my duties was to make the ads for the newspaper. And it was long before Photoshop. And we had to literally cut and paste and make squeeze everything into a certain size. And so that's probably why that's so small is like they get they were like, oh, shit, we got a second movie. We got to add that in, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want you to make a poster for the Wolfman. OK, sure. Get the, turns it in. Where's the other movie? What other movie? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on. Just double check. If only it wasn't for the word the, it could have moved the whole thing up. You know? <laughs> right. If it was just Wolfman. It's important to remember that this is this is it's two words. The Wolfman. Mm. This is from and the then King of the Zombies. The Sacramento Bee from January 31st of 42. And this was playing with King of the Zombies, which was, um, I think, I th think Bela Lugosi was in that. I know Leonard Nimoy had a part in that. It was actually a movie serial. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. And I wish there was someone here to correct me. But um, death and mystery on the loose, chilling, thrilling adventure, the Wolfman. Oh, don't feel bad. At the end, we'll get the latest war news. Right. Yes. <laughs> Very important. I mean, at the, I suppose at the time, this came out in what, 1941, 1942? Yeah. So that's oh, at yeah. the height of the World War II. Yeah. When I was going through trying to find the newspaper ads, there were so many articles like giving the progress on the war and what wow. was going on in Europe with maps and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it is a British, it's like a predominantly British movie. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Uh, then we've got another similar one. I like this one. Oh, that's neat. The giant first run horror show one boy there's so many different ones yeah and it, what's funny it's like look at now lon cheney the son in his greatest role but over here goes remember lon cheney the father as the phantom and the hunchback <laughs> yeah that's it's wild amazing silent movies which we should cover on fright lounge at some point i never realized how big lon cheney is until i watched this movie again the other night like he towers over claude rains oh, oh yeah he's huge yeah, it's a big dude. He was over six four, I think, wasn't he? It looks it. Might have it in my notes, but um, the spook, super spooky laugh co-hit, and it's swell. <laughs> it's swell. The body disappears. <laughs> swell. <laughs> Not many people feel comfortable, people feel comfortable using, using that word. Well, I always thought it was kind of natural. Now the invisible man has a girlfriend, and she's invisible too. The body disappears, and Jane Wyman, of course, who was uh. Ronald Reagan's first wife. OK, I'm going to refrain from saying something. <laughs> the body about the invisible man's girlfriend. OK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. And here's another interesting one. Uh, starting tomorrow, the man turned beast, his unearthly body, a twitching tomb of strange desires. Twitching. Oh, my God. That's weird. Twitching. <laughs> I also think that image is a little bit suggestive that like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know he's just like, oh, uh, what is he? James? I didn't see more? it before. <laughs> it almost looks like he's like undoing his pants or something to get busy. And I feel yeah, like, hold it, on. Wait, I'm just realizing where is this girl in the movie? I this, know this image of this woman is not is nowhere in the movie. No, no. she's just in the promo materials. <laughs> yeah, she never wears that dress. She never faints. She never. I'm not yeah. even convinced that's. 
That's actually Gwen. The same actress, yeah. Emily but there's Hankins. also a Woody Woodpecker cartoon, Hollywood Matador, Tune Tide musical, and the Pussycat Cafe. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> Pussycat Cafe. Wow. I'll stop there after the movie. <laughs> oh, and the new master character creator, Lon Chaney, as the Wolfman. No pressure there at all. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask a dumb question. Is Lon a short version for another name? No, his father was Lon Chaney. And his name was Creighton Cheney. But they said when he started making movies, they were like, oh, no, we, we need to make you Lon Cheney Jr. And he always hated uh, that. So this was basically a stage name. OK, uh, Lon Sr. Oh. I don't know if Lon was. Spent. I didn't know if it was like short for Leonard or some other name. I don't know. Lonnie Lon Spence. Do yeah. you know, happen to know about Lon Cheney Sr.? Is that short for anything? I do not. Um, we do have this magic box here that can tell me anything I need. To know. <laughs> Let's find. Where'd out. you get one of those? I wish you had Leonidas. One. Oh, Leonidas! Wow, that's cool. Leo Cheney. Leonidas Frank Ch Lon Cheney. Lon is in quotations. So Lon was a nickname. Right. Probably too many letters to put on a marquee. So Leon Cheney. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like Lon better. Lon Lon Chaney has a has a has a ring to it. Leon Chaney kind of has a yeah. less of a ring. But Leonidas right. Chaney sounds like he's the Gauls or something. Leon, yeah, it sounds like he's going to defend us from the Persians. Right. The Vikings. <laughs> oh, that's kind of a cool one. Although yeah. he looks a little bit like a golden retriever. I was going to say he's awfully quaffed for a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> he actually in that one looks more like the remake. Yes. Kind the of. nose. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. For it sure. It actually looks like um, D. Wallace's um, version in The Howling at the end. It's it's also very interesting. I like this one. Oh, yeah. I like this poster because the the last names are all you need. Everyone, anyone can recognize Claude Rains. So you see Rains, you're like, oh, well, now I'm in. Lugosi, now I'm definitely in Cheney. Yep, you've got me sold. I'm going to see this movie. I, I, I love can, the, I love. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I can see that very easily. It's a very, it's a very good idea because their names are rather iconic. Even if you didn't know it was Lon Chaney Jr., like everyone yeah. knew who Lon Chaney was. Right, right. Yeah, that was. The I point. think I would do the same thing. It's like you put certain names in a row on a poster these days or in a trailer, and I'm like, oh, I'm seeing this. Right, right. <laughs> I don't even know what it's about, but I was seeing. Mm. I'll tell you what um, you saw too is the second hit, the Jungle Woman, Flesh of Beauty, Soul of Satan. That's how. <laughs> a tiger temptress. That's Whose what we all want. Is to kill. <laughs> we want a, a a bad girl. A tiger temptress to murder us when after we're done. Um, I like what it says in the little spiky star thing over here. See his fingers turn to claws, his eyes grow wild, his face become a beast's. Hair grow on his hands, his teeth sharpen into fangs or two fangs. His heart turn to ice. Mm. I would have cut out the two middle lines, but yeah. His I mean, eyes grow wide. His, his teeth sharp. What? He touched it too much? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that sounds. <laughs> if they had just said like his skin grow hairy or his, you know, something. It, yeah. He touched too much. It's just not just on his hands, right? Yeah. It's Oops. Oops. Oh shit! I hit the button by accident. Okay. Wrong direction. Wrong direction. No, no. I was just no. making sure skip one. All right. So this one I found in the Altoona Tribune from December thirtieth of forty one. And um, this is I mean, these days were awesome times to go to the movies because you had so much. You were literally in the theater like all day Saturday. Look at that. Twenty two cents for a matinee. And oh, my God, 30 cents for 
in the evening. Jesus, <laughs> people Bank don't. Financial. We're not made of money. From... Children, eleven cents always. <laughs> oh my God! Dirge of and death. Ellery Queen uh, and the murder ring. So if there's a mystery, that's the best Ellery to get, I guess. Um, <laughs> his hideous howl, a dirge of death. His unholy heart, a twitching tomb of strong desires. Dirge, a lament for the dead, especially one forming part of a funeral rite, a mournful song. <laughs> his hideous howl, a dirge of death. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. Dirge, it's a good word. Dirge. Uh, Long Cheney wow. as the wall man? Oh, the wolf man. Okay, I couldn't read that. The wall man. <laughs> like, what the hell? Oh my god, you can barely see the, the, like, the thing that differentiates the F. The yeah. little, little lines. Yeah. Woof, the wolf man. The wolf man. Woof, woof. The wall man. The wolf man. The wolf man. That would be a great parody. The wolf man. They turn into a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> It's, instead of a wolf, he becomes a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. That's why I'll, I I'll bark, no bite. <laughs> Mike, did you ever see growing up the Disney movie, um, the Shaggy Dog? Yes. And the kid finds the ring and he recites the Incorporcanus Mutato or something, and, and he turns into a dog. I always, mm-hmm. I always wanted to be that. I used to love that movie. It's go. the same category as like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for me. Shitty, shitty, bang. Uh, shitty, time, time shitty, shitty, bang, bang. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got South of Tahiti with Brian Dunleavy, who is well known for doing a lot of Hammer films later, a uh, decade later. White Savage. <laughs> Queen of 50 sarong clad goddesses of love. <laughs> of men and breasts, uh, beasts. All right. And then the next. So one. funny how they were just so blatant about it back then. Like, we don't hot have- chick. <laughs> right. We have to read this whole thing. I, I just got it because it had a lot of cool. And uh, they were talking about all the actors. They're like, it's not just a film with, you know, one star. It's got all these other guys, and they, you know, rattle off, you know, Maria Swinskaya and Patrick Knowles and everybody that's in it. But um, this was what I really wanted was this here, a werewolf's victim. Lon Chaney is the monster, and Evelyn Ankers is his prey in Universal spine chilling horror drama, The Wolfman. And it's funny when you read the reviews and and the discussions about this in the newspapers back then, it they, it was considered grisly and horrifying. You know, they had not seen anything like that. Like to us, it's so tame, especially yeah. when we talk about the the remake. And this, yeah. like, this is the reaction people had to this is the reaction people today had to the remake. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's grisly and. Uh, the what did it say here? There was something interesting. The Frankenstein films featured Boris Koloff, Dracula starred Bela Lugosi, and the late Lon Chaney Sr. was virtually the only star to appear in Phantom of the Opera and the original Hunchback. Now Universal's has uh, the Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. Young Lon Chaney, seen in the title role as a hair-raising char- characterization, said to outdo all of the previous horror creations of the screen. So that, not, that much again, is true. Not too much pressure, though. <laughs> No right. Oh, and this is this is one of the things uh, to my point here. Uh, an eerie graveyard set for the horror drama The Wolfman is a particularly gruesome sight for certain employees of Universal Studios. To prevent lawsuits, movie companies use names of studio employees whenever names are seen in motion pictures, on storefronts, signboards, and other objects. Uh, I can't something for printed matter. For this reason, there. Tombstones, what is it? 
Bearing printed matter. Bearing printed matter. Okay. For this reason, tombstones in the graveyard set bear names. That's so creepy. Yeah. Oh my god. Lawsuits. Jesus could you just Christ. imagine? Could you just imagine come in and be like, "Hey, uh, hey, Spencer. Yeah, we got your name over there on one of the tombstones. You what? <laughs> right. <laughs> Should have made one of them Ebenezer Scrooge. There you go. <laughs> this must be before the disclaimer of like any any resemblance to persons living or dead. Blah 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 is mm. purely coincidental. Because otherwise, they wouldn't be worried about lawsuits, right? Well, that and and um, if there was a uh, like a sign that said Coca Cola, you'd have to change it to like your your key grip, bottle, oh, you know, or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's another one that you can barely see. I try to lighten it up, but you can't really see the Wolfman here again. It's so funny, Evelyn Anker. The same girl. She's just like she must have been. She, she's she's a, Yeah, she's a yoga practitioner. <laughs> I think it's one picture they just keep using over. I think over it again. is too. New horror man. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great name for like a parody movie. <laughs> it's like new horror man. It looks like he's in the middle of explaining his perspective on life. Wow. Yeah, see, it's, it's, it's his TED talk. <laughs> so yeah, most people think, <laughs> but actually, what most people don't understand about lycanthropy is. <laughs> I normally I would pick only the ones with pictures, but I thought this was hilarious because it goes introducing the picture that makes Dra- Frankenstein and Dracula sissies and is suitable for <laughs> the suitable for the okay. Make up your mind. Is it like this horrific thing or is it suitable for the <laughs> Well they're in the uh, friendly theater? They have to add that sentence. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's so freaking Sanasa, Oklahoma. <laughs> Made them sissies. <laughs> Look at how they spelled preview. Even sissies is spelled wrong. Where did they? Say? I don't see the word preview. Where? At the bottom, Saturday night preview. Oh, yeah. I've seen preview. it spelled that way before, but it's sort of like preview. when you spell starlight, L-I-T-E, you know, or the Tonight Show, uh, L-I-T-E. Yeah. It's sort of a stylized way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And Saved then, him a letter. We've got this here. Has to get up early. <laughs> it's like he's doing his hair. Well, he is. He's putting the makeup on. That's Jack Pierce. Oh, 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 okay. This role, that of the werewolf in the Wolfman Lunch Engineer, continuing to duplicate the career of his famous father, must report to Jack Pierce, makeup chief. And of course, I have things in the way. Four, Four hours before, before the before camera, camera starts to roll. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So, and if you recall in this movie, we don't ever see his face transform, we see his feet. Yeah. And then I think we see the reverse face at the end, right after he's killed. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like at least the ads are like, you're going to see the Wolfman. This is the Wolfman. Come see him move. Like, that's kind of like a good selling point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like you're coming to see the Wolfman. You don't need to know anything else about the movie. It's just about Wolfman yeah. here. We, we have him. He's real, you know? Right. So once again, we've got Claude Rains and Warren Williams and Patrick Knowles and Bill Lugosi and uh, uh, Evelyn Onkers there. A little image of the fainted woman in the background yeah. there. Yeah. I like the one at the bottom with her hands on her head. Yeah. Ah! And it's playing what with Jukebox Jenny. Jukebox oh, Jenny. Well, let's see. That's what it is, too. The, the, the boyfriend wants to see the Wolfman and the girlfriend wants to see Jukebox Jenny. So it's right. <laughs> Got to negotiate. Oh my god! I took my girlfriend to see this. She was, she, her eyes were glued to the screen. 
Mm. Yeah, she liked it, huh? Oh, she loved it. That's She's awesome. a big into the makeup side of it too. So it was it was a, a double feature in this and American Wealth in London. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You told me that at the drive-in, right? Which was mm-hmm. it? The was that a drive-in near Norfolk Drive-in or no? It was um this local um this local hospital uses its grounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's, uh, they use yak hair for the hair on him. Mm. Yak. Okay. Um. <laughs> little Ace Ventura reference there Uh, so then I think this is probably the last one yes the last one we've got it from the um, Kokomo Tribune way down in Kokomo Uh, we've got the night monster prowling killing and once again terrifying the countryside Um, the countryside it's playing with the Mexican Spitfires baby or the Mexican Spitfire. Mexican Spitfire's baby. Right. It's possessive. There's, there's <laughs> no comma there. Mexican Spitfire's baby. That's funny. No, no, no. Just the child. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. Once again, he's eating this girl that does not exist. Right. I think that's Evelyn Onkers. They must have just done it like a day of promo shooting. All right. You just lie back and let him hold you and we'll take all kinds of photos of you. And that. from our stage, eight live turkeys, six live chickens. <laughs> Tonight, about 830, about 830. That's crazy. All right. So I'm going to stop the share here because that's all I've got for um, the movie ads. So we can dive into this. Um, uh, where's where did my notes go? Oh, there they are. And I think to open this up. All right. <clears throat> So, yeah, George Wagner directed that this. We had talked about him on previous shows. He did a lot of TV shows. Uh, he also did the movie Mad Monster with Cheney Jr. And uh, he did a few episodes of the Batman 66 series. Um, I think his directing here is solid. I think that the camera work is great and everything looks beautiful in this movie. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that a lot of it is um a lot, a lot of the light, you can see everything you need to see. You know, they really had a good understanding of black and white. This is kind of at the end of that era since, I mean, by this point, um, Wizard of Oz had already come out. So, like, color mm. was on the rise, but this was still a solid form, a solid art form for the the movie. And I, I definitely agree that the camera work worked uh, a lot of it. The staging, the blocking of, of all of it worked really well. And you got to see everything. And then when you didn't get to see something, it was intentional and impactful. It didn't feel... Like they were pulling anything away from you. You got to see his face transform back into the Wolfman because the whole point was seeing the Wolfman. It was later movies that they were like, "Ah, let's play with what we can and can't show. Right, right. So I love it. And it wasn't until like the early 70s that black and white, black and white was more cost effective until the early 70s. Then everything flipped and all of a sudden color became cost effective and black, black and white became more costly. So. Uh, I think I, I love black and white, especially like again. Oh, by the way, if I haven't mentioned it, the um, the Marvel film I talked about with you, Mike, recently, um, the Werewolf by Night. It's not mm. just on Disney Plus. I think it's also on it's on Hulu, I think. Um, Shit, yes, I forgot checking. to watch that. Yeah, it's mostly black and white with like sort of like Sin City where certain things are like blood and stuff are in color. So um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Kurt Siodmak wrote this. Um, we've talked about him before. He's done a ton of Universal films. He's done The Invisible Man Returns, the Invisible Woman, Invisible Agent, Son of Dracula. Um, his name is sort of synonymous with the Wolfman. In fact, he's credited in the remake because they basically they based the remake on his script for this movie. So, mm. and, 
Cheney. What can we say about Lon Cheney Jr.? And he's the only actor to play all the Universal monsters. He's played Dracula, the Frankenstein monster, the mummy. And in this one, of course, the Wolfman. And he's yeah. played it so long. He's the only. Yeah, he's the only one with that that four that kind of like quad quadrifecta of playing the monsters. And he's also the only Wolfman for the Universal Monsters era. Nobody else played the Wolfman but him. Right. Which I, I really love that. Which he almost didn't want to do Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because he thought it would, was cheapening the uh, the monsters. But I think that's one of the best ones. <laughs> that movie that movie has a lot of lore behind it itself because it does include the Wolfman. But even the mainstays, Abbott and Costello rejected the first script. Yeah. Um. So there's, there was a lot of like hesitation with that movie. But they, I think that one is a great uh, a great kind of a finisher to the era. Yeah. Um, so oh, th yeah. this movie, the first Wolfman, really kind of set the stage for a lot of things. And it it's very interesting because it's also the only one without direct sequels. It reminds me, the closest I can explain it to kids my age is it's like the Incredible Hulk of like the MCU, where it only has one movie and then this character shows up in other people's movies to get his character arcs through there. Mm. And it's right. it's very interesting and, in my opinion, well done. I think I don't think they ever really lose what they what they had. It's just a matter of the creative direction changed over time for a few things. Right, right. This this movie stays solid though. And folks, if you get a chance to check it out, go back through our our back episodes because we've covered all the Dracula films, all the Frankenstein and Wolfman films, all the Invisible Man films, all the Mummy films, and there's a lot to them. And you know, some are good, some are not so good, but. You know, the, like like Spencer said, you know, there's just the Wolfman story continues throughout several other films. In fact, I wanted to mention, um, well, I get, you know, it doesn't matter if we jump back and forth. So in the remake, they do bring up the whole um, concept of only a person who loves him can truly kill him. And that was wasn't introduced in this movie, The Wolfman. It was introduced in House of Frankenstein. Mm. So. It I is interesting though that they kind of kept that they 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 had that as like a subtexty thing. It was it wasn't a hard and fast rule, but in the original movie, spoilers allowed, he's killed by his father, which right. is a big mm. deal. It's, it, it's actually a very neat, nice commentary on the family because now the dad has lost both sons. So now there's this whole thing that you kind of have to think about. Oh, what's going to happen next with that? And so there there is this level of and it kind of isn't too that hard and fast since Bela gets killed by um, Lon Chaney. But they kind of try to keep it for at least the the Lon Chaney Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got. Um, well, I mean, I just want to mention one last thing about Chaney was that sadly he was a uh, major alcoholic, which affected his career. And after this, after Abbott and Costello, his career kind of took a downward spiral and he died of heart failure at age 67 in 1973. Mm. Um, but we had seen him in a few other movies. I think he was in. Um, what's that one? Uh, Spider Baby. And uh, he was in a few others in the early 70s where you could tell he's drunk. Oh, and then one of the films, folks, that we covered, and of course, the name escapes me and I'll have to dig it out. But um, he was in a Mexican horror film where he basically plays uh, Lawrence Talbot and the Wolfman in it. Um, so it was kind of cool to see him, even though he only has one word of dialogue in the movie. <laughs> but, uh, we'll quickly run through the cast here. Of course, we've got Claude Rains, who plays his father, so John Talbot, you know, Casablanca, the Invisible Man. I mean, Claude Rains was freaking awesome. He brought gravitas to this movie, I thought. Um, I thought he was perfectly cast, too. Sir John Talbot is one of the highlights of the entire movie. Whenever yeah. he's on screen, he's just chewing the scenery, and I really I really enjoy listening to him talk. 
and that's an interesting point about this movie too is that that they're they're not quick to believe him they're all quick to go oh it's all in his head he's just delusional for some reason and even the father until he sees it with his own eyes at the very end and by that point it's too late Mm. he does not believe it he just thinks there's something wrong and that's an element you know i had forgotten about this movie is that um I get well, I guess it wasn't in this movie. It was in the remake. In the remake, they put him. Uh, Lawrence Talbot had been put in an asylum for a year. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that got into my head and made me think that happened in this movie. But it doesn't. He just went to live in America, lost his British accent somehow. And I mean, that's kind of what accents are. They're just reflections of where you've been living for ages. So mm-hmm. he's been gone for two to three decades. I, I, I really I thought about that, too. But I'm like, actually, it's kind of interesting. It, it actually is a good it's a I, I don't know if they thought about this when they were making the movie, but it's a great way to show the the distance between his fam him and his family because mm. his family's they, they go come to this British town. They're kind of part of the aristocrats. He comes back and he's like, I've been working with my hands for the past, you know, pa- amount of time that I've been in America. And, uh, you know, I haven't been doing aristocratic things. He's been there's a whole point that one of the scenes I personally really love and I'm using for one of my classes is the, is when he he asks his dad about the. Uh, the the story of the werewolf and his dad's like oh it's just some science some science baloney about schizophrenia and how it's just a symbol for you know the inner nature to be to be an animal comes out and he's like yeah these things you can't really touch i can work with wires and tubes and electricity but i I can't work with these foreign concepts and it's it's a very interesting difference because he's he's kind of a an infamous celebrity in the town you know oh the the prodigal son returned Right, right, right. We had uh, Warren William who played Dr. Lloyd and we saw him in the poster there. He was in a bunch of pre-code talkies, which um, uh, he played a character called Michael Lanyard, who's also known as the Lone Wolf. So I always thought that was kind of ironic. Um, Mm. Of course, Ralph Bellamy was Colonel Paul Munford. You know, he's the guy. What's this murder gypsies? What's going on here? (laughs) Love that guy. He was in. He was in um, Trading Places and Coming to America. He was Randolph Duke in Trading Places. I don't know if you guys have seen that or Mike, you may have seen it a long time ago. He was one of the old guys that they make the bet. Mm. I would have never picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got the huh. great Maria Uspinskaya, who plays uh, uh, Maliva, the, uh, the Romani fortune teller. Um, she came with to America with a Russian group called the Art Theater in 1922. And when they all went home, she defected to America. She became a Broadway actress. She founded a school for dramatic arts, and she basically taught acting for quite a few years in Hollywood. Mm. Uh, you know, and they said she she sometimes made it difficult for her co-workers because she was so heavily involved in astrology that it, it, it dictated when she could be on camera and stuff. So, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, at, I suppose at the time though, it was a lot more, a lot, a lot less disproven than it is now. And yeah. to be fair, it's also a cultural thing. You know, she's, the, she, you know, she gets cast as the Romani woman, and I, I always really liked that this movie doesn't jab at them. In fact, it actually almost critiques as subtly by one scene the church about how they're like, you know, oh, you're, it's a bunch of pagan celebrations, and she's like, I couldn't break the tradition if I tried. When somebody dies, we're proud that they got to the next the next life and she mm-hmm. was you know happy that her her son was no longer suffering that there was this this level of relief and i was re- i was really like that it made it made the 
the the Romani kind of side of things, it didn't feel like it was just the just propaganda of like you know you know more white nationalist stuff that we would see kind of often from the time mm. it very much was it very much felt like they they thought about everything and no you know maliva is you know a fan favorite character she's some she's you know just as good as claude Rains, you know in terms of, of of what we get to see on screen so we i, I really always she brings back, gravitas too mm, i looking back i appreciate that 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 the they don't it's it's never it's never part of the movie that oh well you know the gypsies are the gypsies like no they're right everyone else is is crazy is crazy for not believing Lawrence Talbot she's the only one who's like hey by the way you kind of have a werewolf problem just so you know um, <laughs> so I always really liked that I liked her her like somber kind of she kind of maintained this like she's had such a long life and been aware of so many things that she's uh she looks at everything like the big picture sort of and she's got this over this kind of somber like even in the beginning when they go to get their fortune fortunes told and she walks into the camp and she just looks at Lon Chaney for a second and then like walks away it's like okay she knows what's going on and yeah and in that scene the it's the it's the catholic priest who seems like the one who's kind of out of touch a little bit because mm. he's like what are you doing and she's like well you know this it is what it is man <laughs> yeah. and then he leaves so yeah i always get frustrated at that scene because it's like why doesn't she just say we're celebrating his life we're not crying right. his death you know and that at that time i think to the catholic church that was an alien concept it really wasn't until well except with the exception of the irish it wasn't it was an alien concept to most catholics in the rest of the world you know you you had to be mm-hmm. sad and it's like no celebrate this guy's life you know which is weird because, you know, it's that he he's going to a better place. That was always like part of right. Catholicism, too. Oh, you get to go be with God now. Like, so, OK, so right. why are we so unhappy? <laughs> it's, also very, no, go ahead. it's also very interesting that they chose to involve the Catholic Church in this movie. England is not a predominantly Catholic country. Mm. Um, neither is America. So I always found that very interesting that they chose that. I think it was just an easy authority figure in terms in religion in terms of religion to to put a put up against Maria Spinskaya. But I always found that very interesting that they chose the Catholic Church because it kind of distances this Wolfman thing from Jesus in a way. It distances it from the Judeo Christian stuff. Whether it was intentional or not, it does a good job of setting the stage for the fact that this is more naturey than it is gods and demons. And I was, I was mm-hmm. really like that. That always really helped stimulate my imagination. I thought it was a good idea to, to address that the church does notice these things, but they're just not involved in the local politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always loved her line. She uses it twice in the movie, once when Bela dies and then once when uh, uh, Larry Talbot dies. She goes, the way you walked was thorny through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea. So tears run to a predestined end. Now you will have peace for eternity. I always liked that. I thought that was a mm. good send off. And you know what? Why, another reason why you would go, why would a priest be mad at that? I think it's a great thing to say, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. I, I One thing I that did irritate me a little bit about this movie, the original, and uh, maybe because I watched it twice, but um, in the last couple of days, the the whole thing about the, even a man who says his prayers by night and blah, 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 the wolf's pain and may become a wolf. Like they said it three times in the first like 
15 minutes of the movie. And by the third time, I was like, Jesus, fuck. If they say that one more time, I'm going to strangle somebody. Like, enough. We got it. We got it. And then they're like, oh, everybody knows about werewolves. Uh, You know, uh, we all know about that. Everybody knows. And he's like, what? It it does a good job, in my opinion, of differentiating Sir John's perspective of things versus the people on the ground because they know the poem. They know the story. He's Mm. like, it's lycanthropia. It's a form of schizophrenia. One of my favorite lines in the entire movie is he's like, oh, it's a form of schizophrenia. And Larry Talbot goes, well, that's all Greek to me. And, and Sir John goes, well, it is Greek. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a very, yeah. It's, a, it's a nice little little script writing thing that kind of, in a way, diffuses the tension. So yeah. it makes this horror movie feel a bit more realistic than just mm. horror for the sake of being horror. And I always really right. love that. Even if, it, even if it was kind of a product of its time, I, I love that. And I think, too, though, Mike, to your point, I think um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I agree with you. Yeah, they say it three times in the first 15 minutes. Like, really? But back then, there was no cable. There was no videotape or DVD or re- there was even no rewatching it. It wasn't until these movies were re-released, what, a, a decade or two later that they got actually got really popular. So mm. they weren't expecting that. So they probably figured we got to drive the point home and maybe say this a couple of times because no one's ever going to see it again. And we want them to remember it. I mean, yeah, that's my guess. So I don't know. And plus, you had people coming to the movie late, <laughs> coming yeah. in the theater late. Yeah. It's, def- it's definitely a big thing. I think it's interesting that they, they, they do a good job, whether it's intentional or not, they do a good job with this world building. The Wolfsbane thing is kind of alluded to with Bela when the um the Annie, I think her name was, had um uh Jenny, that's what it was. Jenny. Yeah. Jenny, Jenny had the Wolfsbane and he's like kind of pushes it away off the table because it makes him uncomfortable. I always like that and they never really address it until later movies when Larry Talbot is buried in Wolfsbane. Right. And mm-hmm. I always I always love that stuff and I thought that was very interesting. And then the autumn moon thing, I I find it interesting that they kind of imply that being a werewolf is a seasonal ailment. Like, mm. yeah, the autumn moon is before. bright. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like in the summer, it's like, oh, I got to wait till August. And then my, my, <laughs> sorry, my, my werewolfism kicks up. And it, you know, it's werewolf season. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I always like that. It's always very interesting to me. It, it, it adds a little bit of nuance to it. And it gives this, for the purposes of imagination poking, it gives a, loose explanation of why we've never caught on to werewolfism before uh, is wolfsbane a real plant i yeah. believe it is yes uh, and it only grows at one time of year like that i don't know in the early autumn or something uh uh aconite monk's hood wolfsbane leopard's bane devil's helmet or blue rocket uh it's wow. a genus of species i see so wolfsbane is a specific type of species is a specific plant um, poisonous. To I see. Um, they, apparently, they're just poisonous in general, and native to the northern hemisphere in North America, Europe, and Asia, where wolves are actually mostly. Mm. Huh. Very interestingly, um, and da, 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 da. yeah, that's really all I can find on. Okay, because I was always band. wondering about what's the connection, like in the in the poem that they all say it's like you're more likely to become a werewolf during this time when the wolfsbane blooms 
I think the why... idea is that the Wolfsbane is this is this not antidote, but this deterrent to wolves. So they're like the Wolfsbane is blooming. Well, now we know where the wolf might or might not be. Uh, things like that. I it's see. kind of one of those, one of the like almost a natural deterrent in a way. Yeah. Okay. That which that is does make so sense. curious to me, and it. I just I like that this is all implied in the script. You know. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't ever actually said, but it's implied that clearly somebody had some imagination behind all this stuff, or took inspiration from real life legends and all that jazz. And I really, mm. uh, uh, Spain gets its name for being the poison used to kill carnivores such as wolves and panthers in the 18th century. Oh. Hmm. It was put into raw meat to bait the animals. Some believe that it was even aconite that caused rabies in these animals later on because of its horrifying side effects. Good damn. Uh, uh, in Greece, it was it was thought to have one of been the first poisons ever created. In Rome, it was used to poison enemies. Shakespeare is a deadly poison. Covered blade in Hamlet. Um, damn. Right. Um, Chinese Weird. culture, aconite. Poisoned arrows. Uh, poison arrows through my heart. Whenever somebody says poison bullets, this is what they mean. Wolfsbane. Um, wow. I, apparently, apparently, even the Nazis tried experimenting with Wolfsbane. Um, Jesus. Okay. Wow. Oh, there's, an, there's an alkaloid in it. Okay. Wow. There's a lot. There's a lot going into this. Jesus. So Wolfsbane apparently is a big po- is a poisonous plant, which I don't know uh, why they picked it, Ben. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. They're gonna carry it around with me. La la la. <laughs> it might be one of those ingested poisons, but still, still, that's super. I mean, but that's interesting that they kill wolves with it, and werewolves can kind of sense that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of dig that. It's a, it's a very, very loose thing, but it's there. And as you mentioned, Spence, that's how uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Wolfman opens up is when the two grave robbers go in and open up Lawrence Talbot's tomb. They he's lying there with the Wolfsbane all over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a teeny tiny detail, but that's the stuff I love about certain Universal monster movies is they they cared about these details, and the Wolfsman is one of those movies where the the details really come through. And I was like that the Wolf Spain was a was a big thing. It kind of falls off from a narrative perspective. It doesn't ever actually show up again. Um, but it's it, it, it's still interesting that they added it at all. I'm surprised if they hadn't um, in the Underworld movies, they hadn't had bullets laced with Wolf Spain. Yeah, that's, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what a I was really thinking. interesting. I guess silver is more accessible or more. Hmm. Silver also probably yeah. Silver also probably has less chance of failing because you can you can shoot a piece of metal at somebody versus making sure the poison gets into them. Right, right. Well, I mean, what did what did Roy Scheider do in Jaws? He put the poison in the bullet and then put wax on the tip of the bullet. So what? Remember in Jaws, he made the bullets. He he shaved off the tops and he was putting poison in the in the bullets and then he put dropped wax on them. Or was that Jaws too? I don't. I don't think that was the first Jaws. I don't remember that at all. I remember the needle. Yeah, you're, you're right. Get this tiny okay. needle through his skin, it, like ah. it was Jaws too. So, all right. Never- uh, Either way, Wolfsbane plays a big role, at, at least in the in the setting up of this movie, and I always really liked that. It always helped. Yeah. I just learned all of this Wolfsbane information, so I love that they had that. And it's funny yeah. too to think about, you know, all the the tropes of werewolves throughout the years have pretty much come from this movie. This movie's not based on a book like Dracula or Frankenstein. 
it's yeah. they took a mythology and said, hey, to make a great movie, you know. So sort of I like got to say, though, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say sort of like the mummy films was because of the opening of King Tut's tomb in the 1920s that had like a public interest in mummies, you know, so they they again, not from a book. They just took it from, you know, real mythology. But you were going to say, Michael, um, I didn't like the pentagram thing in this movie. It was just it seemed so like out of nowhere. And well, first of all, the pentagram didn't look like a pentagram pentagram. It looked like a like a like a star in a little kindergarten room, you know, like <laughs> but um, but like the fact that everybody knew about it, like, oh, he's got the cane and there's a star on there. And, whoa, that's the symbol of the werewolf. And then he was the only one who could see it on the hand of his victims. Mm-hmm. And it, that just seemed like. And I mean, they probably enjoyed putting that in because it was kind of interesting. But this pentagram is more of a Satan symbol, isn't it? And then I, I like I felt like that was like a unnecessary mystical aspect. I I agree with you that it was definitely an unnecessary addition. I think it was another attempt at their world building that just never actually did catch on. And mm. I it, it it doesn't quite make a lot of sense and it's only loosely used as like a oh no we need to worry about Gwen's da- Gwen's safety now instead of him just running away and suddenly that actual distance would have saved her oh mm-hmm. she's going to be target it's a way just to have the wolfman target one of the characters which right. was fi- I think is fine for the movie because admittedly if that's the weakness we're talking about is this one thing that happens a couple of times that the stake that doesn't change the stakes of the film not all that bad, but yeah, I agree with you that that is that is one of the things that I look back and I'm like, oh, I forgot that existed. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't exactly a, stimulate my imagination. That was a weak point, and it was used to a horrible effect in Cursed, which you and I talked about, my kill. In um, Cursed, yeah, they had the werewolf, the people who were werewolf, werewolves had it on had their it, hand. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it, I, yeah. I could be wrong, and Spence, you might want to look this up, and I want to take a, a quick pee break in a little bit, but um, um, I... If I remember correctly, the pentagram was actually just sort of a, uh, like a nature symbol for pagans and Wiccans and all that. And it wasn't until Anton LaVey, who was the uh, the black pope of the Church of Satan back in the 1960s, adopted the pentagram as the official symbol of Satan. Oh, I, I yeah, I've done a decent amount of research in the 60s. Yeah. Yes. It's the pointed down symbol. Yes. Is the um the symbol of. So they, oh. they took that from the horns. Yes, they took that from bits of the Bible because basically the pentagram came from the six-point star, the the um the Jewish star, mm-hmm, right. because Solomon, King Solomon in the Bible, was a big big guy on on capturing demons. He had the pointed up pentagram to capture. They had the pointed down to summon. Right. That was the idea. Uh... So then, if you see it pointed up, it's um in Supernatural, for example, the the show that went on for fifteen goddamn years. They yeah. use it to great effect for the Devil's Trap. Right. It's point. It's pointed up. If it's pointed down, it's slightly different, which right. is is really where this came from. So yeah, you're right, Pop. Up until uh, for this movie's purposes, that was a pagan symbol that just wasn't right. really used anywhere else. They're like, oh, okay, that's a the pentagram. All right, cool. It's a shape. We're gonna use that. Right. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it's fine for the movie. I don't love it. And I think it's one of the, the things that I'm glad the remake kind of forgot about. Yeah, yeah me too. But I always Overall. thought this was one of the weakest points of this movie. Um, so a uh, few more things about this movie. I, I mentioned that yak hair was used um, in the werewolf makeup. 
originally it was intended for Henry Hull in the film The Werewolf of London, which was came out before this. But he ended up doing his own makeup. He didn't want to go with Jack Pierce's makeup. Um, what a loser. I'm glad they didn't do Sorry. that. That movie's okay, but it it's not, you know, it doesn't hold a candle, excuse me, to this movie. So um, hmm. apparently Bozo the Clown's hair is also yak hair. His wig, the red wig. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Cheney was allergic to it, but it didn't stop production. So that was kind of cool. Oh, uh, God, that's terrible. Yeah. Can you imagine? No, I cannot imagine being allergic to my makeup. <laughs> that sounds terrible. One little thing, too. And I, again, I noticed it this time around, too. And we had talked about this uh, when we discussed the movie previously. But um, when he comes, he shows up to take Gwen out and he goes, I wore my cane. And I just yeah. thought that was interesting phrase because that was an accessory back then. You wore your hat, you wore your shoes, you wore your cane, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. To walk, it just was an accessory. Well, instead it, of saying I brought my cane, or yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I actually, uh, actually talked about this in a presentation for school about certain um, fashion history. Uh, I'm in theater, don't ask. But what I can say is uh, that the when it comes to canes, it makes you look more distinguished. You look like an older gentleman because you need a cane. So for men, it's an accessory that just kind of enhances. The thing that would make you desirable is, you know, you're older, generally older men are more wealthy, things like that. Um, so mm-hmm. men's accessories was was the linchpin for men's fashion versus women. It was a lot more about colors and style. Right, men usually right. had very similar, similar, um, um, very, very similar uh, like suits, but it was the accessories that kind of changed things up. So like when she's when he's going cane shopping, she's all about like, oh, well, this cane, you know looks really looks really really good it's got a silver head you know it's got a wolf's head on it's kind of a local thing stuff like mm. that right mm. didn't he think it was a horse or a dog at first somebody said somebody said a horse later in the he, movie they're like oh yeah i found yeah. a cane with a horse head and it's like no it's a wolf genius like <laughs> so it was, yeah, everybody was is so funny. quick to correct them that it's a wolf but it's a weird looking wolf like i would have to look at it for a second and go is that a wolf <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody's like ah it's a wolf I want one of those though. Anyway, okay. Can we can we just get get the peeping tom thing out of the way? Oh yes, the... yes. I'm sorry, I meant to bring that up. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so bizarre fun. because in the movie it's treated as like no big deal, but <laughs> nowadays <laughs> oh. if you told a woman that you looked at her in a room through a telescope, she'd be like, "Get the fuck away from me!" <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd get arrested. That's that's a that's a crime. That's yeah. a crime. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> It, it's uh, so for anyone who's curious and hasn't watched the movie, which you should. There's one. There's one of the few things that I think uh, they can live without later on in the movie is, um, well, the part of the thing is that they're bonding over a telescope, Larry and Sir um, Sir John. Part of that bonding is Larry fixes the telescope. He's you know a man who works with his hands. That's what he went to America for, and all this stuff. And then he discovers that the telescope can be aimed at the dressing room of this girl that lives across the way. So mm. he does so. And then he proceeds to flirt with her. Turns he watches out the, her change her clothes and everything. Yeah, there's a whole thing where he watches her. And uh, that turns out she's married. Um, there's that. There's engaged. that little plot she's hole. Engaged. Um, she's engaged. Sorry. She's engaged. And, um, well, <laughs> he, he proceeds to continue to flirt with her. Yeah. Um, and he's like telling her, oh, what about those earrings you had on your dresser? 
da da da. She's like, what? How do you know yeah. what I have in my dresser? <laughs> she she he, he's very very creepy and pushy and uncomfy. I mean, it's honestly no better in the remake. I'm not gonna lie because Gwen, instead of being this girl that he uh looks at from a distance she's his brother's ex his brother had just died within like at least a month of the events of the movie yeah that's a little creepy there's a whole thing with that too it's no better in the remake unfortunately i don't know if they're paying homage or if they're yeah making the same but the, the remake at least in the remake she's sort of herself like yeah. reciprocates the attraction to some degree, yeah. Which I yes. mean, kind of happens in the original too. But in the in the first meeting or two of her, he's it's so creepy. It's it's actually a very interesting. It's a very interesting thing to think about because throughout the movie, they're very clear that like Gwen is treated as her own independent person. Yeah, women weren't exactly treated all the greatest, but. Gwen is still Gwen. Her dad's like, she can do what she wants. She's an adult. Yeah. Woman. If she's engaged and goes out with a guy, that's on her. Yeah. So I always really liked that. I was really, I always thought that was very, very, I don't, I don't want to use the word like grown up, but it didn't, it made everything feel very, uh, um, everything, it, it feel very, very exactly. interesting and a lot less, a lot less overtly sexist. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I always I hate, really I hate to that. use this word, but it's progressive for its time, you know. It is. And I think that's a good thing when it, it, there's a time where women aren't given their actual proper treatment. Right. So, it's it, you know, it, it's it's fair. I like the fact that like she says no to him like four times. Like he's <laughs> like, "Oh, so I'll come by when the store closes and we'll, you know, go for a walk." She's like, "No." And she says, no, no, no. And then he's like, all right, I'll see you at eight. She's like, ah. <laughs> and then she comes out of the shop and looks around like, well, is he here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there is a little bit of like, she's not exactly the most morally like upright yeah. character herself. So and she doesn't even tell him she's engaged until like a lot later. I know. I and know he's about to kiss deal. her against the tree. She's like, well, I, I should tell you I'm, I'm engaged. <laughs> yeah. Engaged no less to someone who works for your family. Like, <laughs> like there's this whole thing where she's engaged to the to the, the gamekeeper. Right. That's who it was. Right. Who right. The, that actor, I've seen him in a ton of stuff. Oh, Patrick um, Knowles. He played he played another character named Frank in uh, Frank and Meets the Wolfman. Remember, Frank, Frank, I can't do it. I can't destroy Frankenstein's creation. Oh yeah, yes, that's where I've seen him from. It's just so it's just so funny to me that that they they had that happen. And I think it's most I I would chalk that up mostly to the fact that Gwen was written by dudes. Maybe, mm. yeah. So I would chalk that up to a lot of a lot of that. Um not so much like they're they're trying to have an an excess excessively moral question. It's just the fact that Gwen is mm. was written by a bunch it's of guys. It's that idea that if you persist and persist then the woman will cave. Yeah, exactly. I like, am glad. No matter that what her end, situation is, if you're pushy enough, she'll okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got it. You got. You got to. You got to be. You know, keep keep asking, and she'll eventually say us. Like that's very, very um, predatory, to yeah. say the least. And it's right. it's not the but it's not the core message of the movie. I like that Leary is actually no. treated as this flawed character. You know, he's going after a, an engaged chick. Not his best move. But then he's suffering really badly, and later in the movie, he has nowhere to go. So yeah. he goes to he goes to Gwen, who's someone he knows he can trust too. She's you know they've they've talked enough that he feels comfortable with that, and I I actually really liked that. I always mm. thought that was very it it was a it was a, a narratively satisfying choice because he like kind of cares about her even though he like kind of shouldn't, and yeah. 
and all that jazz. So it it kind of it kind of I think it works for the movie of their goal is to have let's show this tortured character and all the stuff that he has to go through. So I don't know. It's not perfect, but it is it is a good it is at least pretty decently. What used. happens to the fiance, the the guy, Patrick Knowles' character? Frank. He lives. Where, where he does lives. he disappear to? Oh, okay. he, li- he lives. It, they, like they're uh, at the carnival and then he like we don't see him again, right? Well, he's he's there at the end when um when Gwen gets attacked. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's there. He's there at that point. Um, he had the dogs out because he had the dog, too. Right. Because he was the ground. Because he, he was the gamekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this whole thing. And I, I once again, they didn't. It was it was early in the filmmaking time. So narratively speaking, they weren't exactly making the most narratively satisfying choices at all times. So his kid, so yeah. they, they only killed two people and he didn't even meet the groundskeeper um, when he died. So I, I get that it yeah. was a product of its time. Yeah. I yeah. Think part like of the that. mentality of writing Gwen's character was the old, was based on the old joke. You know, it's don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What is it that uh, unfortunately the irony is that I remember Bill Cosby saying this, but somebody oh, he, God. Was, he was making a comment about women and he was like, they're like, come here, come here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away, go away. Come yeah, here, yeah, come yeah. here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away. <laughs> like, I remember him saying that one time way back in the day when he was like that's, funny. And when he was funny. Yeah, that's probably why he turned yeah. to roofies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, he, he was kind of he was kind of blatant about it, <laughs> about, about what yeah. was what his problems were with women. Um, yeah. Although. That. To some degree, because of the way, like, you know, not that it's like a woman problem, but just that, like, over time, the way the dynamics between men and women have worked, there there has been some of that, like, the woman's supposed to play hard to get and, you know, yeah. the guy is it, it consistent. Yeah. It is a thing that that happens that happens kind of consistently. And I I always it's actually a very interesting way to put it with the whole werewolf analogy, because instead of it being puberty this time, it's just like, well, I want this girl. And then he wants her so bad that he's afraid of his you know inner psyche attacking her you know what i mean yeah 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 and kinda... they kind of address that in the remake and we'll talk about that shortly but oh they yeah kind of sort of yeah so let, let's do our final thoughts on the original first so uh okay. spence we started with you we'll, we'll continue with you why don't you give us your final thoughts on the original wolfman from 1941 my thoughts on the original Wolfman is that as as dated as it can be with certain things, it is a strong movie that tries to tell a strong story and I think succeeds in that. I think it's it, it's ahead of its time in some aspects and still stuck in its ways in others. And I think it's a, I think it's flawed, but I think it's a quality film that everybody should see. And I thoroughly encourage all of my friends to see uh, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Michael. Um. I really, I really like it. I like the fact that it's in black and white. I, you guys said that the the way the lighting was handled was really good. I it was never a moment in the movie where I was like, "What the fuck am I looking at?" Um, it was very clearly shot, and they did a really good job of making making. Even though there's not a lot of killing in the movie, they, they did a good job of making him look really scary. Um, and even when he did attack someone, it almost looked like he was trying to strangle them. And then they said later, like the groundskeeper had his throat torn out or something, but you didn't see that, you know, mm. although I do have one other nitpick that I wanted to say, which is possibly my bad memory or possibly something that was kind of omitted when his father kind of ties him to the chair and says, oh, you know, I'm going to go deal with this, whatever. And he says, dad, take the cane, take the cane. 
And then we never get to see him like bust out of the chair. Like I always thought that would have been a cool scene of him transforming and busting out of the chair, but he's all, he's just like out running around. <laughs> right, and right. then the father sees him and goes, ah, shit, he got out. But like, I thought it would have been cool to see him like just have one more, at least partial transformation and show him like busting out of the, 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 the rope and the breaking the chair or something. I thought. Yeah, cool. I agree. I think that would have been a, a satisfying point to add. Uh, but I don't think the movie is necessarily harmed by its missing. Hmm. Right. Per yeah. se. Uh, there's just like a little gap where like, okay, he's, he's, he's restrained. And then the next time we see him, he's running around. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. What happened in between? <laughs> it's funny. But, I almost wonder if that's a modern versus, you know, older time disparity, because maybe they just didn't think of it. Whereas the three of us, that's what we want to see. We want to see the Wolfman turn and then <laughs> rip through the chair. Maybe mm. they were just like, oh, we could have him do that. Oh, we don't have the budget for it. So forget it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really, really something that kind of it came down to. Yeah, I also wanted to say I like the way they did the feet. Um, yes, you, yeah. I, I would have thought that they would try to avoid showing the feet back then because of the weirdness of the effect. But I think they, they, they showed it when he was transforming. They showed it when he got his foot caught in the bear trap. Yeah, um, they weren't shy about it, and they, they looked really good. I thought. Yeah, I like how dog-like they looked. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to and they were really like a cross like between a huge. Oh, sorry. What? I was going to say, I used to walk around on my toes like that be because. Yeah, of the yeah. Thing, you know? <laughs> but it really looked like a cross between a human foot and a, a, a canine leg. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it, def it they definitely had a proper a proper dog look to him, which I and, you know, and I'm pretty sure this was a pioneering um, thing for um for the effects team. This was kind of this. Nothing, nothing like this was had been done before. So. Yeah, there is that aspect to it that it is very it's very important to remember that this was new when they were making it. So the fact that they had so much detail, I think it's just mm. a testament to what they were what they were really, really going for and good at. And I, I I love Lon Chaney's acting, like how mild mannered he is in a lot of the scenes. And then uh, when he gets caught in the bear trap and when he's. um when he's in human form, realizing how bad things are when, you know, he notices the star on Gwen's hand and he's like, I'm out of here. And then there's another point where I think it's after the bear trap when he turns back to human and he realizes the dogs and the hunters are after him and he looks so panicked and mm -hmm. like he's, his face is sweating and his hair is stuck to his face. And he's like, I really believe that he was suffering. And even when he was writhing around for being in the, in the, in the trap, I thought that was really well done too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And Be Go ahead. Because there are so little stunts, his acting really does come through pretty mm. strong um, with what he with what he can and can't do in terms of like how how they how they did things. And I always really loved that. Mm. I, I love that he he's so different that the, he they didn't have a stunt double. It was Lon Chaney under the makeup mm -hmm. being the Wolfman, mm. and you could see it. You could see some of some of the Larry Talbot, but you could also see some of the. Um, so, uh, the Wolfman plenty coming through on its own, and mm -hmm. I, I love that. It it was a, it's a good good for good um explanation of how film acting is and mm -hmm. what you can do with it, especially at the time since theater is was still super super huge and way less less in contention with film. Mm -hmm. And you know, in talking about the transformation scenes prior to this in 1931, we had 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Frederick March. And if you watch that and you watch the transformation scene, you're like, how the fuck did they do that? And I learned recently, actually, what they did was he had different colored types of makeup on his face and they would swap out filters like literally while it was on him. So it he literally transformed because the filters would would filter out certain colors and wow. then added them in. All of a sudden, his face just transforms into Mr. Hyde. That's fantastic. For 1931, it's a freaking amazing, amazing effect. And that's a movie. Actually, we haven't touched at all. We should cover that at some point because. Yeah, they had to be so creative because, you know, they didn't they didn't know about any of the shortcuts that came later. So they had to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, sorry, one last tiny, tiny thing. That's uh, Claude Rains um, earlier, Spencer was talking about how how much he loves Claude Rains and how he like, you know, steals the show every scene that he's in. But I really remember that one. Oh, sorry. That was a little burp there. Um, I really remember that uh, thing that. <laughs> me, Grimlock. Um, there's just one quick line when toward the end of the movie, when when uh, Lon Chaney is like kind of having a breakdown in front of his dad and sort of going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, da, 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 and the guy says and he says, what's up? What is what's the barking dogs? And and uh, the father says, oh, they're they're out, you know, hunting for the for the creature. Uh, and, and he goes, Lon Chaney goes, they're hunting for me. And he starts going up the stairs and Claude Rains goes, all right, stop it. Like, just <laughs> just fucking snap out of this bullshit. Like, you know. He just yelled. Yeah. It's a great angle of of Lon Chaney going up the stairs, and and then when he when Claude Rain says stop it, it like he immediately stops and turns around, looks at him, and it's it's very like, you know, I just felt that was great, like that moment. I just like stuck in my head. That's awesome. Definitely, definitely. Um, they they had a, they had a really good casting with the with the family dynamics here. The the actors' chemistry was definitely there, even if mm. some of them were underused, like the doctor and all that. Right, Warren Williams. And one other thing I did want to bring up also is the elephant in the room that I think I can't remember, Spence. It might have been you and me. We touched upon it when we talked about American Wolf in London. But there's a a really glaring blooper in this. And I can't remember if it was the first transformation or the last one. It might have been both. But Cheney's in a a tank top, basically. And he transforms. And when he's the Wolfman, he's got a full button down shirt off, like buttoned all the way up to the top button. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't even catch that at all. So, yeah. so anyone who's like watched the movie will will re- uh, vaguely remember when he takes his shirt off because he's about to transform and he's sitting in the chair and then we see his feet transform and he yeah. gets up and walks away and it's very very thrilling. Like, oh my god, did he really just turn into a werewolf? Oh my god! Uh, and then we see him and he's got like a full like black button down. Um, Maybe he grabbed the, the shirt on his way out of the house because he was afraid of getting a chill. And with his claws, he was able to button those. Pants. Yes, he buttoned it's, it up. It's one of my favorite continuity errors because it's 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 a very great way to you know the, it makes the effect work right. The effect wouldn't work if he if they had to do his entire chest. That right. was just too much. They, they didn't right, have the budget right. for it, any of that. But they never right. thought about it. Of wait a minute, hold on. He takes his shirt off and then he puts it on. Like because they never thought of it. They were just like, oh, it just goes from. He's he's suffering. He's suffering. He's suffering. And then um, Wolfman. Wolf, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, the, and then Wolfman. The other I, I side didn't even notice it. it. I got to say, I didn't notice the, it. The, the other side of it, the counter argument is an interpretation argument. The interpretation is being a werewolf was never real and that it was simply a, a moment of psychosis. So 
for him, we see the Wolfman, but for him, it's just a matter of he's freaking out, freaking out, starts to lose his grip on reality. And then at, a, at some point in his grip on reality, he never transformed. He just puts on a shirt and becomes the Wolfman and starts attacking people. Uh. Huh. That, so it's it's like it's just a kind of a, a mental illness psychosis thing, like Claude Rains describes, um, is kind of, was kind of the idea. And I don't know if I fully am with that, but I like the idea for the mm. artistic interpretation that this is in fact um, all in his mind. Yeah, this this it really is just a psychotic break from coming home and had losing his brother and stuff that like that would be an interesting remake. If they, if they ever decided to do another one to take it from that kind of angle yeah. and not, I, yeah. not reveal that until the end. That's interesting. Wow. It's also like, there's also, um, there's some movies that do this. I, one of my favorite horror movies that it's a stupid title, but it's called the bye bye man. It's very, very good because they show this entity that's haunting people, but nobody ever dies by supernatural means. So in this movie, the same way is nobody really dies by supernatural means. They just die. They die by getting attacked by what seems like an animal. But then they talk about wolf tracks and stuff. So you're not 100 percent sure if it really was a wolf or if it really if he really was a wolfman or if he really was just going nuts and was able to simulate wolf tracks in his own mind hmm. kind of deal. So I always I, I like that from the from the artistic perspective, but I never. I, I never felt it's like an it interesting was in concept. Yeah. I never felt like it took away from what we actually got to see in the movie. And they, they weren't intending that really. They were just making a movie about a wolf man. Right. Right. So and they really avoided him. blood in this movie. There was like no blood or stabbing or claws or anything. It was just like, like it looked like when Lon Chaney attacked somebody, it looked like he was strangling them at first. And then when there were two killings of bashing something to death with the silver cane. Right. But no, yeah. like, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. Never the, really what they describe that. is far worse than what we actually see. Oh, his head was bashed in or her throat was ripped out, you know? Yeah, know. yeah. You know, I always hated that movie, so, though, too. And even and for some reason, this comes to mind. I don't know why, but what, the Bye Bye Man. No, no. The Disney animated Pocahontas, where the Indian guy has no shirt on and he gets shot in the chest and uh-huh. there's no blood. And I even remember. And of course, I was in my 20s when that came out or whatever, 30s. But I was like, wait a minute. But no, that's stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Because then you're showing kids that you can get shot and not. Right. Not have no effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't have to show everything, but there just needs to be like some blood. Something. Of like, oh, God, something has right. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And even in like the Disney Tarzan, he gets raked across the chest by a, a jaguar and he screams in pain. And then there's like little lines on his chest for the next like five minutes of the movie and then that, that disappears too. Right. <laughs> it's like, dude, that was a serious injury. <laughs> mm. So Michael, did you give your final thoughts on the Wolfman? The I sort of bounced all over the place, but yeah, I think it's really, really good. It's a classic. You, you, everybody should see it at least once. If they have, if you have any, any remote interest in horror or whatever, and, and look at these older films through the lens that they were, you know, like remember the time it was made when you're watching it and and don't like the effects suck. Um, mm. It's like my, 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 my issue that I have with, with Terminator one and two, everybody's like second one's better or second one's better. I'm like second one has better effects. But for me, I like the first one better for a whole multitude of reasons. So people, especially nowadays tend to get distracted by anything that's, you know, slightly not realistic. And the other oh, movie's not as good. Like, well, you know, 
So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to watch an older movie like the old King Kong or even Wizard of Oz or, you know, the old Universal monster movies, bear that in mind. And I think these black and white movies are fucking awesome. I love watching some of the stuff in black and white. Oh, definitely. I agree. They're so good. I mean, this is one of my all time favorites. I love this movie. I love everything about it. I love the characters. I don't mind the little nitpicks that we had, you know, or whatever. Um, it's thrilling and fast paced. And you just mentioned King Kong. That movie is freaking for an hour and a half. That is fast paced. So we should readdress that at some point. Yeah. Um, but this movie, the music's iconic. I mean, Cheney, like I said, Cheney and the cast are great. I, I highly recommend this movie. Um, it's a great one to introduce people to the Universal Classics. I think I think the original Frankenstein and Dracula and the Mummy are really good. But I think they might be a little slower pace for modern audiences. Mm. You introduce them to this first and they get it. If they don't know anything about black and white, of course, every young person in my life knows, you know, is accustomed to it. Um, But if they're not accustomed to it, introduce them to this film first and then watch some of the other classics, because I think it's a gateway drug. (laughs) I, I would agree that this movie is kind of the toppest of tier when it comes to um things like when it comes to things like uh, like black and white and looking really good because there is this synonymous this synonymous thought process of it's black and white it's definitely a lower quality camera and lower quality equipment which isn't always untrue but it's definitely a lot more uh it's definitely this movie is very good quality for what you're actually for what mm-hmm. is actually happening. So I really always appreciated that and always really loved that. And these, uh, was King Kong, did King Kong go oh, What I was going to say, these were high quality cameras for its time. They were not. Yeah. Not a low budget film. <laughs> no, no, this was a, this was a good, a, a big movie and it, it pulled through in my opinion. Right. And Mike, what were you going to say about King Kong? I was going to say, did King Kong come out before this or after this? 1930. Oh, 1930. Yeah. Oh, before 30 or 39. Yeah. I think I think it was third. No, I think it was thirty nine. Yeah, I, I yeah. was just saying nineteen thirties, but yeah, okay. It was it was definitely one of the one of the the proto monster movies of of its time. I mean, yeah, we had Dracula and Frankenstein, but that was the first time it was a non human. We were nineteen thirty three. Oh, I was closer. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Okay, I was closer. I was gonna say I was like, oh, it's our early thirties, but I'll accept that. I, was I think wrong. Wizard of Oz was thirty nine, wasn't it? Yeah, Wizard of Oz and uh, uh, Gone with the Wind were both thirty nine. Ah. Uh... Okay, one final thought. I know I keep saying this. Um, (laughs) I noticed how big Lon Chaney was at the beginning of the movie, and I I was hoping there was going to be at least one moment where he was towering over in Wolfman form, towering over somebody, you know, before they ran from him or whatever. But they never really played up his size when he was wolfed out. But yeah, I I agree. I I think they do that better in the remake. I think the remake kind of is just a good description for all the things that they could have done that they just didn't mm. think to do and then they eventually end up doing it right right i always really like that so that being said let's segue here into the uh the remake uh it's called the wolfman all one word wolfman uh from 2010 and let me read the <clears throat> brief synopsis though absent from his ancestral home of blackmore for many years aristocrat lawrence talbot returns to find his missing brother at the request of the latter's fiance gwen conliffe he learns that a creature has links to an ancient curse, turning people into werewolves when the moon is full to save the village and protect Gwen. He must slay the bloodthirsty beast, but he contends with a horrifying family legacy. So uh, let's do first impressions again. And I'm going to go with you again, Spence, because I know I took you to see this in the theater. You were nine uh-huh. right, in 2010. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So tell oh, us yeah. about your yeah, first impressions. 
this movie holds memories because I had grown up fully knowing the Wolfman. And as a nine-year-old, I freaking love this movie. As an adult, I still really, really enjoy it. And I think it's a fantastic remake. It's, you know, it's it just, it's comparing it, you know, apples to oranges. They're really they're two really fantastic films that I really love um, that I find hard to, I find hard to, to compare but i i like this remake for what it is it is a remake it is the wolfman and it it plays up to what you want you wanted everything the original to be and i really love that um and i think this movie is maybe not nearly as masterpiece like as i made the first one out to be but definitely a strong film that has a lot of good elements and a lot of valid critiques levied against it as well that i think is worth the watch if for anyone who's remotely curious of what the wolfman is michael I think I saw this in the theater. Um, I may have seen it with you. I don't know. But um, yeah, I I was very critical of werewolf movies. and th- I honestly don't remember fully what I thought at the time. I remember the scene in the asylum where he where he's this is probably goes back to me thinking about breaking out of the chair um, where they're like saying, Oh, look, we're going to prove that he doesn't really transform. And then he really transforms. Like I thought that (laughs) was awesome. But I remember coming out of the movie going, eh, it's it's typical horror movie. But this time when I watched it, I think I've watched it once in between. So maybe this was my third time. Um, This time I really liked it a lot. I don't know if it was just like the, having seen the, the original and then watching this one, like I love the whole opening where it immediately starts with a guy, you know, looking around in the woods and looking for something. And then the werewolf descends upon him and, you know, rips him to pieces. And uh, the way they show the glimpses of the werewolf and the the claws and everything. Um, and the one, there's one shot where there's like a silhouette of the claws in the foreground and the guy running in the background. And I thought, well, that's really cool. It looks like a comic book panel. Um, it has, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, 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 th- this time watching it, I thought it was excellent, but the the ending, the last like 20 minutes of the movie, I started to, I felt like it was kind of unraveling a little bit. It wasn't, but yeah, it's great. I don't, I'm not comfortable comparing it to the original, really. I, I, I see it as its own separate entity, but, um, but great. I mean, so much fucking violence. If I was to write a werewolf movie, that's what it would be. Severed arms, heads ripped off, claws going through people's faces, and that was just good shit. Viscera all <laughs> over the ground. Yeah, like intestines and fucking that that scene where he rips the guy's arm off and it goes flying and while it still has the pistol in its hand, then when it lands, the pistol shoots. <laughs> uh, that was a great fucking scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I remember Spence obviously seeing this with you in the theater. I don't remember, Mike, you were were you stateside in 2010? Yes, oh, that's so. a good point. I think so. No, we really? moved to Hawaii. In, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was 2012. We moved to Hawaii. OK, I, was say, I think so. All right. So you may have yeah. gone with us to see this, um, but I remember not hating it. I remember really enjoying it. I always felt it was a decent monster movie. I really dug it. Um, I was okay with the changes to the original movie because they made sense. You know, like you said, they didn't really do the the telescope thing. They 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 introduced the fact that the telescope was there, but they there was no peeping Tom issue in the movie. Um, there was no source novel 
to go off of. So this is a true remake of the original film, um, not not a reinterpretation. For example, like John Carpenter's The Thing, which we talked about on last month's Fright Lounge. Um, but, you know, great visuals, good acting. You know, this thing got killed by the critics. It did bomb at the box office. It was supposed to be like an $85 million budget, and it went up to like, I don't know, 150 million and then it only made like 120 million or something around that 140 like 8 million or something like that it didn't make its budget back no um i i see okay so so the the wolfman the changes from the from the original i think are good i think the changes overall are a good idea they expand on the lore of what you were what you were dealing with more they really went back and forth about what was going on they changed the character dynamics i think in positive ways um for a lot of the a lot of what we saw that's that's my opinion i think a lot of the changes were overall a net positive for that i i have a problem with anthony hopkins acting i think this is one of his weakest movies ever Hmm. i i'm sorry but like i like i rewatched it and i was like and he just was so so disinterested and he didn't come off as he didn't come off as disinterested in a crazy way that kind of i think they were intending he came off as i'm i'm doing this to get an addition on my house type <laughs> disinterested you know what i mean like i didn't really i didn't really get the get the vibe that he was trying to come off as and they they changed it very differently i mean you know sir john yeah. was not this 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 affluent man who was very involved in his local town's politics he was you know, kind of a kind of a hermit, you know, like Bruce Wayne in Dark Knight Rises. He was, you know, rich mm. guy living out in his rich place that's fallen apart. And I I didn't mind that. I thought that was perfectly fine for what the movie w- was, but I didn't think his acting reflected it well. And I think that mm. a lot of his lines fell flat for me. I think it depended on the scene, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's just just I was surprised too because like Anthony Hopkins. I mean, Emily Blunt. I think her character was was weakly used. I think they could have done a lot better with her character, but I think she did a good job as time went on about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, the, the I mean the um the guy who did the effects for this movie got an Oscar for this one, and he after he had gotten an Oscar for American Wolf in London. Yeah, Rick Baker. Rick Baker, yeah. So, yeah. like, so clearly, like, there was some love in this movie, and it, it was there. Benicio del Toro, I he looks like Lon Chaney Jr. He does. So, so <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I noticed that in this time around, he's big like Chaney Jr., and he's kind of got his mannerisms. And I guess, you know, he's an avid collector of Wolfman memorabilia. So he he came into this a hundred percent. You know, he was a producer. Yeah, and yes. it shows. I think it really. I think his his love for this movie really shows. Um, once again, the effects, like we said, the effects and the gore, per- gone, gone, nothing better. They're so so gruesome, but also very actually scary, in a way. Like I really, it's it's surprisingly like well done in terms of how scary it is. Mm. For you know, for a mo- for a werewolf movie, you're like, oh yeah, we want to see the violence, but at the same time, you're like, Jesus Christ, I don't think he deserved that. <laughs> the the one so. big issue in this movie was the transformation scene because Rick Baker really wanted to go like 90% practical. And um the, the problem was the director Joe Johnson, and we'll talk about him in a minute. He um he came on board at the last minute, I, I think like a month before they were gonna go into shooting. And so he kind of basically said, Well, CG is actually a little more um it's it's a little more convenient. It'll help us out, you know, to save us. In the end, it, it didn't save them any money and it didn't do anything. I did. I have a whole issue with the transformation scene, but um, so Rick Baker was pissed off about that, but 
he had basically based his designs on the Cheney Wolfman. And, you know, I think it shows. I think there's so much love in this movie for the original film. Um, oh, definitely. Yes. One of the big criticisms I did notice, though, was that it wasn't all that scary. And I remember thinking that afterwards, like, yeah, it was great and it was thrilling and it was but it wasn't really terrifying on any level. You know, I I, I could see that. that but... I would push back on that and simply say that there's not a lot you can do with a werewolf movie to make it different from all of the other werewolf movies, especially when remaking a werewolf movie. Good point. <laughs> Is really my my thought process because mm. making a monster movie scary is so difficult. Like Alien is scary because it was new and different, right? Jaws was scary because it was new and different. Nothing had been done before like it. But right. all of those sequels, they made things. They 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 had to change things up. They made it. They made they added more of them. This is almost like it's it's not a sequel, but it's a remake. What did they do? They added another werewolf. You know what I mean? So they, I, I agree with you that it wasn't scary, but I think the whole point was that it's meant to be this. They didn't, I don't think they catered to the personal torture that the character was going through, that they really could have, and that the yeah. original was kind of trying to do. And I think that would have been a bigger, a bigger stake on the psychological horror. Because he's locked in an asylum. That asylum scene is fucking off. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. So so that yeah. I think is really where they should have stuck the fear. It's not the fear of the monster, it's the fear of the man. And they didn't really do that. They could have capitalized on that a lot more, yeah, for sure. Um yeah. what was I gonna say? Shit. I felt like uh, a lot of the werewolf scenes were scary, but what I thought was weak was the fight between the father and the son at the end. It was just like a lot of trampoline jumping and throwing each other across the room and it was good, but I thought I, did, I thought it could have been a lot better, a lot more vicious, and um, uh, I felt like it was too short. I think Anthony Hopkins died kind of suddenly, and it almost looked like they had rehearsed it, like him jumping on him and then the the, the Talbot kicking him and him going into the fireplace, and it, it was just kind of like, oh, that's it? You know, like, I don't know. I, 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 I agree, yeah. It, it's a little bit that, more that like hatred fight. between them in that fight. <laughs> yeah. The final fight, though, between father and son kind of reminded me of that Incredible Hulk episode, the first, where it was a lot of posturing yeah. and throwing each other around. <laughs> Which is like the worst. You can always tell in a TV show or a movie when they want to like prolong a fight is they, they just have the characters throw each other around because right. it's like. That's not really that much of an attack. If you want to hurt somebody, break their arms and legs or punch their skull in or something like do something concrete, stab them or something. But like throwing them is just like, OK, you're just trying to prolong the fight, you know, I, unless I, yeah, with the, prolonging the fight or have a good narrative reason. I think the biggest thing is that they didn't have a good narrative reason for a lot of a lot of what we're talking about. I mean, if it made more sense of like if they established Anthony Hopkins character didn't want to kill um you know, Larry, but Larry did want to kill him. So now there's this like back and forth of one of them is trying to be lethal. One of them is trying to just prove a point, like, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. almost like a, like a challenging a pack leader in, in, in real wolves, which would have been interesting, but mm. they, they, they didn't, they didn't do that. They just kind of let, let things happen. And I, I can definitely agree that that, that was a weak point. And honestly, the weakest part of the movie was a lot of the stuff they just tried to add. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whenever they took inspiration from the from the rest of the movie, it was really strong yeah. and really fun. Right, right. One of the things I didn't like. Sorry, Raj, you want to go ahead? No, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, 
I just okay. said I right. thought you were about to say something. Okay. One of the things say? I didn't like is that they they established the cane and the fact that the cane had like a silver dagger in it at the very beginning of the movie. And then I kept waiting for that to come around again. And when it did, it was like this afterthought. It was almost like the writer went, oh, fuck, I forgot we had that thing. We got to use it, you know, and they, it was used for like three seconds and then discarded. And that was the end of it. I agree. I, 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 I you're right. I definitely think that was a, a big, big, big weak point that they could have made so much, so much stronger um, with with the movie, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know why they wouldn't have done that. Mm, yeah. Personally, I think that that was a, actually a kind of a perfect, a perfect mention of where you could have like paid homage to the original, but made it your own. And why have there be a dagger in it if it's not going to be a central? Right. Yeah. Or 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 you they they really could have tried and break expectations and suddenly oh there's a dagger in the cane I've seen this movie before I know this, how this is going to end and then the dude with the dagger like it just doesn't work or like it doesn't kill him and something else has to happen you know like I don't know yeah. they really could have done a lot with that and I I agree with you they definitely didn't also this movie I think ran through a couple of writers. Yes, which uh. definitely hurts because then I, I I can't speak to it. I I like to write, but I can't speak to it for cre- for working on other people's work. But I understand the idea of you want to somehow preserve what worked about this previous script because clearly it worked to some extent. But you don't want to, and you don't want to change it too hard that suddenly somebody loses credit. Right, right. Well, I, I, I kind of get bit. it. You know this this movie originally had another director attached, when of course I don't have his name in front of me, but. Uh, was no one that I recognized. But anyways, um, he had creative issues with this. This movie was in pre-production for a long time. And then so finally, at the last minute, the producers like because he the, the, the original guy just didn't want to do the way the producers wanted to do it. So they got rid of him and they hired Joe Johnson at the last minute. Now, Joe Johnson, as you guys may know, he's done a lot of great movies. He did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Jurassic Park 3, which I also consider a decent monster movie. And he also did Captain America, the first Avenger, among several others. So he's a competent, well-established director. Um, and Andrew, Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven and Sleepy Hollow, um, who knows his moody films, wrote the original script of this. And Johnson, for whatever reason, hired a guy named David Self to rewrite this, rewrite the script. And David Self also wrote Road to Perdition and The Haunting, which is not a great remake. Wow. Road to Perdition is a really good movie. So it is yeah. between the two of them. I think they got a decent script out of this. And it's, of course, it's based on Kurt Siodmak's original script. So, hmm. yeah, I it's that I think its biggest flaw was that it didn't have a clear vision from the beginning. I think the vision comes through in some aspects and doesn't come through in others. Like we said, like the like the, the end werewolf fight, I think, is a fantastic idea and they really should have capitalized on it. But they didn't. Yeah. And I think partially because there was multiple visions going on. And then Joe Johnston just, he, you know, he can't do everything. So I kind of get it. I wonder if they they shot the fight like several different times. And then just in the final edit, they they didn't do the best assembly of it. Yeah, they, that yeah. must have been it. Because, I mean, Hugo Weaving plays the um, that investigator. Yeah. And Hugo Weaving is no actor to waste. I mean, he's I Hugo think Weaving. that was uh, possibly a setup for a sequel, right? That he had been injured like- but survived at the end? Yeah, yeah. Th- I remember yeah. that as a kid. I was like, oh, whoa. And then nothing came of it. And I re- I'll never forget how like disappointed I was when I, 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 <laughs> it just yeah. wasn't a success. I want to see a werewolf movie with Hugo Weaving as the werewolf. 
Right. Or, you yeah. know, or some sequel where that leads to that, that connects to the old Wolfman movies. And then suddenly, you know, they, it's, a generation has gone by. You can call it the Wolfmen and have multiple werewolves now. Yeah. I, I thought about this for a little while. <laughs> like, this yeah, whole I thing. also thought it, it would have been a really interesting update if uh, she had gotten hurt. Gwen had gotten a, a like clawed or something a little bit at the end. And then, like, she shoots him and then notices that she's got... It could be just, like, a little cut, not something really obvious. And, like, pulls her sleeve down over it and looks over the cliff, like, should I do is just end it now or what? And then, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have worked as a female werewolf in a follow-up movie, but it would have been an interesting, ambiguous ending, I thought. And I heard that Gwen's father was was Claude Rains' cousin, Claude Balls. Oh, yeah, I heard that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Oh, so let's talk about the cast a little bit here. I just wanted to mention uh, Benicio del Toro obviously plays Lawrence Talbot, and we mentioned uh, uh, oh, you fuck you. Hold on, it's to remind me to drink my water. I drink 120 gallons, of 120 gallons of water a day. I keep calling it gallons, I don't know why. Ounces, <laughs> yeah, ounces of water. Gallons, good, fuck. <laughs> I'm just gonna it must be hydrated, wash away. Um. I always remembered Benicio del Toro from um, he was in the James Bond movie License to Kill with Timothy Dalton. Oh, yeah. He's like so skinny and scrawny in that movie. And here he's like big and bulky. And he's definitely channeling his inner Lon Chaney in this movie, I thought. I mean, who wouldn't? Well, yeah. (laughs) Channeling his Chaney. Channeling his Chaney. You know, but he's got that pathos that Chaney always had. And like you said, Spence, yeah. they didn't really capitalize on that. They should have. It should have been more of a psychological thing of him coming to grips with it. They didn't have any of that, really, where the whole, oh, we don't believe in this sort of nonsense. But but right. that being said, it's because it takes place in uh, what 1891, which is between, you know, Frankenstein was written in. Uh, 1888 and Dracula was written 18. Wait, I have it in my notes here. 1897. So this movie sort of I think they purposely set it in the right between those two rather than have it be any other decade, you know? I suppose. I just think that that would have that would have been a way to capitalize on the horror without it being a like uh like like them the critique just being well it wasn't scary. Like no, it wasn't, but it could have been. Right. Especially the, the 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 art the asylum scene, I still have like memories of how creepy that shit was. Yeah. One thing I didn't like. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, especially you know, dunking not only him into the water, but the young version, the young actor that plays him in the water. I'm like, how did they do that? Like, get away with it, you know? I know, right? Uh, it probably wasn't even cold water. It was probably something else. It could have been, yeah. But um. So viscous material. I don't like the the random nightmare flashy flashy shit that they put in some of these movies. I think they did it in Cursed too. Mm. Uh or even in American Werewolf in London. I think he has these weird dreams that he wakes up and he thinks he's awake, but then he's still dreaming. It's like I agree. Just come on, enough with this shit. Like do it in the real fucking world or knock it off. <laughs> like I'm so tired <laughs> of it. Like all this weird. I mean, I kind of liked it in the remake, uh, the, it, the Wolf, yeah. Wolfman remake when he after he had gotten bit and he was in the bed and he like had no concept of time and he was kind of fading in and out. I mean, that 
a little is okay, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I just felt like it, it overdid that shit. I, I agree. I think, I think it's a kind of a, a staple in werewolf movies, partially because of the Wolfman, because in the Wolfman, one of my least favorite scenes in the original, and I try not to mention this because some people have really liked it, but you know that moment where everything starts spinning and like, it, it's like really awkward. Um, kind of a bit more specific. In the original, in the original, when he's at the branch, and everything starts like getting all spinny. Oh um, yes, yeah. I hate that so much. I freaking hate that entire sequence. I, I, like, I want to look away until he gets back to his like little estate, and then I'm like, all right, cool. Now the movie's back to normal. But it's just so like frustrating to me when they do that because I just because it added nothing to the movie besides mm. just making him feel all wibbly wobbly when. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I just really never I really never appreciated that. So when they when the the dream sequences in the remake actually added to the mystery, it felt yeah. a little bit more interesting. Mm. And how is he dreaming about that feral wolf boy that Anthony Hopkins tells him about, you know, later on? In later the- on. Yeah, I like, I think that added to the mystery for me personally. When I rewatched it, I really I really liked the. I really, really enjoyed the whole, but wait a minute, who is that type moment of like, who is this, who is this kid? Is this like just him perceiving young himself or it was, did it really, did something really happen? And is this some kind, some kind of like a biological memory? And I will say this time around, I didn't recall, like I, I kind of thought, oh, I think Anthony Hopkins is a werewolf in this too, but I kind of forgot that whole thing. And his origin story that he tells about how he's, you know, traveling somewhere and the feral wolf boy bites him. And that's where he became a werewolf. That is so reminiscent of the werewolf of London, the Henry Hull original yes, Wolfman movie, because that same thing happens to him. He goes off to the mountains to find a flower or something and he gets bitten by a wolf. Or yes, a wolf. Well, that, that, was the, this, that was the intentional. That yeah, was an intentional the... thing on their part. Yeah, and this, this the it, Anthony Hopkins character is a big game hunter, so that's right. probably what he was doing. That's right, yeah. But so, I gotta say, I hated that. I hated. I don't want to know how the father became a werewolf. Just he just is. Right. Like I, he probably can't, like that whole thing of like, well, let me give you some exposition as to how I became a werewolf. I was like, oh fuck off! Like <laughs> he's, a, he's a big game hunter. He came across a weird thing one time. And then when he woke up, he was injured and then he's a werewolf now. Like, I, I, I didn't need like the hike and the scene of the weird, creepy boy. But I was just like, what? Why? Why? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I kind of I kind of I, I, I disagree. Uh, I thought it was still need to be explained. Yeah. I think it was one of those things where. It, the, if they didn't explain it, they wouldn't have been able to pay homage to the to where the werewolf curse came from because they don't have the whole Bela dies and and um Lawrence gets the gets the curse kind of deal. So they don't have the ability to they they have the legend from Maria Spinskaya's recast character who was criminally underused. Yes. Um yes. but they have they have that whole thing but they don't really have the explanation of well where does it come from? We don't need to know where Bela got it. But the fact that his father got it is kind of a big deal. And it changes the father dynamic from the original movie. So yeah. for me personally, I really liked that. It, it, I also liked that it was more exotic, that it was that they, they tied it back to the whole we're going to like it's it's not from England. It's from beyond England 
kind of deal uh, that it was brought on like originally it was brought on by the romani but that then it was brought on by an englishman who went and traveled which changes the game completely yeah yeah, yeah i guess and, i just didn't want to see it i would rather have him just talk about it like oh i had this fucked up experience then just seeing this weird like feral boy it's like then it makes me wonder okay what happened to him afterward and like what where where did he come from and you know I yeah just, that that does bring up a good peeve. it's a good question of where does the line between show and between show don't tell i personally didn't mind that it was that it was show and not tell because i'm always in favor of showing and not telling because the telling mm-hmm. only works when you're trying to mythologize something whereas this was kind of a this is a has a practical application on the situation well for me show not tell might have been the father like changing his shirt and looking at his arm and seeing there we could see there's a bite there definitely, and then definitely. okay he's a wild game hunter he got bit at some point like okay i i, I in this case he was telling and showing at the same time and i, I don't know maybe they just wanted another jump scare yeah maybe Who knows? Yeah. I, yeah. It, but it, it does explain at least the the um hallucination that's which true, yeah. I did appreciate. I always yeah. really, really hate hallucinations that mean nothing. So I did yeah. appreciate. Oh, okay. So clearly, there's some sort of genetic link there because, like, mm. he clearly didn't intend to infect Lawrence, but when he did, he's like, "Well, now I can't kill you." Like, mm. <laughs> you're mm. kind of part. Of, you're kind of part of the part of the group now. Well, that's like so, I mean, Spence. We Mike and I talked about this movie, Curse, with Joshua Jackson, by the way, who played um, Peter in Fringe. Mm. And, um, the movie was a big mess and they ended up shooting it three times and uh, real short oh. because if people want to listen to our episode about it, they can. But there's a dream sequence in it that makes absolutely no sense. And there's one shot that stuck out to both me and my kill where there's just like a close up of somebody's eyeball and a fly lands on the eyeball. Yeah, that had nothing to do with anything in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, hate that. I it looked like an outtake from the video they watch in, in, in the ring. Right. Like it was just right. arbitrary, like un- unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned um, uh, Maliva in this film. She's played by Geraldine Chaplin, who I remember her face looks so familiar to me. And I had to go look her up. And if you look <laughs> at pictures of her online, she was a hottie when she was younger. Um, she was in Dr. Zhivago in 1965, which was a big movie for its time. And I don't remember this, but she also played Hannah Chaplin in the Robert Downey Jr. movie Chaplin, where he was the life of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. She also played the. um, She was the nanny in Jurassic World Dominion. Yes. Yeah. Fallen Kingdom. No. Fallen Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. Garbage world. Garbage. I like them. They're not good, but I like them. (laughs) Okay. The first one I could tolerate, but the second one was so awful. I I refused to see the third. I I I, I, I'm gonna watch the third eventually, but it's fine. I I mean, okay, yeah, it's fine. It's just it's fine. Guilty guilty pleasure, dumb, but it's it's no, not not good. I'm not. I'm I'm defending the remake of The Wolfman. I'm not defending the the remake of Jurassic Park. (laughs) We're not we're not that level yet. Any movie. (laughs) Think about it this way: any movie is at least somebody's favorite film. I disagree. True. True. I disagree. <laughs> there are some movies where if that's your favorite film, we're not friends. Um, <laughs> some movies, not not many well, movies. Well, yeah, right, yeah. Some movies, some movies. Yeah. Do you want to get sued? Um, so you guys <laughs> go weaving who plays Inspector Francis Abel uh, Aberlein here. He's 
I guess the character is loosely based on a real investigator named Frederick Aberlein. Oh, Aberlein is a very important person. You should know who Aberlein is. Well, they mentioned it. He goes, oh, they I mentioned the Ripper, Ripper case. Yeah. 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 And you could tell. And yeah, he's the he's the. What? Yeah. He's the investigator He's, for for, right. for Jack the Ripper. And the, the look on Hugo Weaving's face was like, oh, you bastard, because it obviously was unsolved. And, you know, it was sort of a, a blemish on his credentials because he never yeah. solved it, you know? And I love the fact that Hugo Weaving just gives that look like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then he leans forward and he's like, listen, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm not your enemy, but if you're going to treat me like that, you know, we're going to have a problem. Folks at home, obviously, Hugo Weaving played Agent Smith in the Matrix films, as well as the Red Skull in Captain America. Uh, He was in the Lord of the Rings, right? He was. Yeah, he was one of the elves, right? He was one of the elf kings or something. And he was also V and V for Vendetta. Oh, was he? Yeah. Yeah. I got to see that now. So good. It's such a good movie. Um, interesting. I love Hugo Weaving. I also thought he was relatively underused for a character they invented that was actually had a really cool backstory. They could have used him more. Right. Yeah. Right. There were so many missed opportunities in this movie. Yeah. I I, I think, uh, yeah. Tons of them. Just, and then maybe it's because the production was fucked up and the directors changed, the writers changed, and they did the best they could. But uh, there were so many moments where I was like, oh, come on. Why did they do it like that? You know? Right. Like the dog when he when when the son first gets to the 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 father's house, the dog is like, and then that never really the dog's behavior doesn't change all that much. He kind of gets used to him, but then after you know Talbot is bitten and is you know basically is the werewolf, the dog's behavior like they could have done something really interesting with that to show the contrast. Because in yeah. the beginning, the father had to tell the dog a few times, like, Samson, enough, you know, right. calm down, chill out. But then know, at and, a later point, Larry's sitting there petting the dog after he'd been bitten. Yeah. And the dogs. But I mean, that, that could have just been he got used to him, but should have been the other way around. Right. The dog's friendly. Right. And then after he becomes a werewolf, the dog freaks out or the dog is hostile when he comes in. And then in that scene, when Talbot's in the hallway and the dog comes around, maybe the dog backs away from him and piddles right. on the floor or something like do something to show a contrast. Don't just introduce the dog and do nothing with it. Right. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I think, I think they, they really could have done a nod lot. to the Jack Nicholson movie Wolf in here. There was actually a few of them, but one. Yes. One didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And Wait, what, um, what is it? Uh, Jack Nicholson's movie Wolf from 1994, which Mike and I covered recently. Um you know, Larry starts to develop super hearing just like Nicholson did. Spence, you have to see this movie. It's really I good. probably should. Mm. Um, you know, he he feels great after being bitten. You know, a day later, all of a sudden he's like, oh, my shoulder feels even stronger than before, you know, and and of course stops wearing his glasses. Yeah. And the werewolf in this movie, of course, has a ridiculous underbite, <laughs> which that's totally impractical. Yeah. It's like, how does he not claw his nose to death? <laughs> How does he bite anybody? Anything? I mean, you probably just have a massive jaw. Yeah. I mean, we had a Chihuahua, a Chihuahua uh, dog named um, Puppy named uh, Calvin, and he had the little underbite. I always thought of the Wolfman, but at least his were tiny and functional, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, in a in a in a brief shot or in a photo, it looks cool. It's just not practical. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, like I think it looks neat. Yeah, I, um, I I agree. I like I love the way the Wolfman looks in this movie. Oh yeah, personally. I oh think me he's just too. So good. 
And he's more like, a, not even like a wolf, except for the dark nose, which looks canine-ish. But um, he his claws are huge. Like, he's really just a monster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah then, so, um, one of the biggest things that I always uh, loved about the Wolfman is, A, its influence on on werewolf design is massive is is should not be undersold because there's a big there's this um there's this game i like to play that that i hear that pop hears me talk about a lot it's it's one of the resident evil games and this in this resident evil game they have um a big werewolf monster that comes and likes to attack you but it's the reverse of the wolfman instead of it looking like a um instead of it looking like a dog or a man that has dog features it looks like a dog that has man features it's creepy as hell. So wow. this one, I really love how he looks like somebody with just some some animal features because that one is a great dichotomy where it looks like a giant dire wolf, but it has the ability to stand on all fours and its face looks like a person, but with a massive, massive jaw. So it doesn't. So it looks like a wolf in everything wow. but the face instead of the reverse that we have here, where he look where it looks like a person, um, where it looks like a wolf in the face but then the rest of it is mostly humanoid so i really will always adore the wolfman's impact on design yeah, and yeah. It, even this movie caters to it with the design is the the design is very very much this like you said he's a monster he's a, a horrific amalgamation of the yeah. two instead of just yeah. being just being you know kind of a, a hybrid he looks like a like a like a like almost a facsimile of what what a werewolf would be right, right. I love and, I love that. So for the folks at home, I'm going to share an image here. Um, we've been talking about with these werewolf movies. Uh, we've been referencing the werewolf, the apocalypse uh, tabletop role playing game. And there are different forms that werewolves can take. And I think this game, I think we all three of us agree that this game um, does it perfectly. So you've got uh, can you guys see this? Yep. OK, so you've got the hominid form, which is a human. Hold on. There we go. Can you go a little bit? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And then um, you've got the glabro form, which is the what we see in this movie, as well as the original Wolfman. And um, I think even Jack Nicholson's Wolf, we saw this. Um, and then Krinos, you've got the howling, the full on bipedal werewolf. And then Hispo is more like a dire wolf, which is what we saw at the end of uh, American Wolf in London. Also, also in um, I think in is a regular wolf, oh, lupus form is right. Sort of regular wolf size. That was um, at the end of Wolf. We saw that as well. Um, so these are the different forms we're constantly referring to. And we're constantly saying Kratos form because it's just it's the perfect description for all these forms. I don't yeah. Any other way. Yeah, there's really not. There's, it's a great way to just kind of, um, you know, like formalize what we're saying because mm. it because it's just it. You know, this is the Glabro form. And this is the, the Wolfman remake is a lot more Krinos like where it has a lot more wolf like features because in the in the game, they like to establish, oh, that the Glabro form can speak. It's just difficult and wow. Krinos can't speak at all. So there's there's kind of this weird, weird middle ground that the movies like to take. And I think the movies are a great way to to show off different aspects of it. And also the, the movie, I think, is closer to Krinos because it's he becomes bigger. He just, it's bigger. Can't really talk kind of crazy. Whereas the, the, the Wolfman from the original is strong, but they it's, it's limited by its production. Right. Right. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I think that works perfectly fine for the, for what the movie is and yeah. what we want, what we want it to be. And this, something... me... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, this reminds me of another movie, Mike Hill, that you and I just covered recently, which folks should already have heard called Wolves. That's what I was going to say. Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. With Jason Momoa, which, by the way, Spence, you should see that one. Wolves? Yeah. Yeah. It's from like Momoa. 2014 or something, right? It was really good. Really? Yeah. All yeah. right. I mean, they're sort of in between the Glabro and Krinos as well, sort of like this movie. And it works. It totally works. I don't know if I completely agree about it. To me, it's it's the Glabro. Like, unless it's fully upright with the extended ankles and the snout and the whole nine yards. To me, it's not. I know you guys are saying it's in between. I don't know. To me, it's it's I see where you're coming from. But um, I, I maybe I just like to keep things simple in my head <laughs> but like yeah. to, but something that we talked about roger when when we were talking about wolf and then talking about wolves was that when you do a more glabro style werewolf in a movie it's still the actor it doesn't become this completely computer generated or completely animatronic thing which is cool but like I don't know. There's a certain there's a, they, they still get to emote like a like a, you know, I don't know, like the Lon Chaney version and the even the Jack Nicholson version, you know, to some extent, he doesn't really fully get to Glabro, I don't think, but he's on his way. And yeah. then in Wolves, that's I think that they're all pretty much Glabro. And I like I love that. I love that. You know, even if they completely stop talking and whatever else, I, I like when, like I went through a phase when I was growing up where I was like, oh, like all those like Lon Chaney style Glabro where they're still wearing clothes and they're walking around. And, you know, I was like, well, those are stupid. Those are not like real werewolves. But then I, now I've completely come around the other way <laughs> where yeah. like I, I think the other kind of werewolf is cool. And if it's in a video game or like an animated thing or something where where that's the primary form that it's always in, then. I like that. But now that I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but like my perspective has changed. So I really prefer the wolf man, the man, manish wolf, you know, like the more the Glabro form where they can run around in the torn clothes and everything. And and I actually don't like it when they run on all fours. Like I get it, but it just is not practical with a human body. The legs are so much longer than the arms. It, you know, it just it looks weird. I I liked it in the remake because I thought the remake took it a step where I took it a really in a really great step where he he kind of does develop those proportions in a way, yes. and I really appreciated that. That when they actually I, I I saw like I was watching a little bit of like behind the scenes work and that how they basically had come to the point where they're like yeah so. It, it didn't look great when he was running on both feet when mm. nobody was looking at him. Like when you're when you're in the middle of a fight, sure, you're going to run a certain way to keep your guard up. But he wasn't in that. So it made more sense to go all fours, you know, pedal to the metal type deal. Mm. And I, I really, 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 really like that. And the first time he transforms, you're right. They actually show his feet when he's like climbing up the stairs and they show his feet uh, changing and his ankles extending. And so, yes. You know, they didn't really show it that much when he was when he had the pants on. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was more pronounced than the Lon Chaney one for sure. I, de- I definitely really love that. I, I have vivid memories of that transformation of him on the stairs. Mm. I have very, very vivid memories from that. And I, I loved that transformation. And it was I remember how gruesome it was. And I remember understanding how gruesome it was. I remember appreciating just how how much like pain 
this dude was in from turning yeah. into a werewolf. You don't really, you're not able to get that just purely based on technology from right. the original werewolf. And this one, I thought, did a great job making turning into a werewolf very, very American werewolf in London style, where it felt you you felt it when he was going yeah. through it. And it was also this like this traumatic thing because it was in a way, in a way reminiscent for him. So I yeah. I really appreciated that that aspect of it where he he was I don't know like in a, in a way it had to do with his his history as a character and that made mm. it feel a little bit more than just oh this teenager who's going through puberty like no he's unlocking some part of himself and it's awful right right you know and I I felt though the um uh some of the cgi though like for his head when he was transforming there was something that made me uncomfortable and not in a good way it was just like it looks stupid and cartoony where his eyeball gets mm. giant and i was just like really yeah this there were moments where people? like the cheekbones kind of like the, the the jaw and the cheekbones didn't line up and it looked weird yeah yeah i yeah i found that for uh, for most of the cgi in this movie i personally will stand by the idea that it worked i i've yeah. had a, i've had a hard time in my life noticing Close. bad cgi I, mm. I, I I truly have a hard time noticing when people are like, oh, the CGI was terrible. I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was pretty great. Like people complained about things like like Jurassic World and stuff. And I'm, but I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was really awesome. It was I didn't notice these issues that people were talking about. I I love I, I will say I did notice some things definitely looked a little bit more cartoonish and significantly less realistic as they were going for. But mm. the combination of CGI and practical, I think, is where this movie truly shines. It is it's those moments i think the cgi when it wasn't the pronouncing feature was when it was just at its best because him running through london and killing people and all that jazz was awesome yeah absolutely mm -hmm. awesome I, yeah. I i stand by that i will die on that hill it is fantastic yeah they cranked it up a notch for sure and um, so i i loved all that i don't i don't always necessarily notice when it's like oh you know cgi didn't look great his transformation in the um in the asylum. the asylum was i can see what people were saying after i had watched it again but i still personally thought it looked really cool because it was so so surreal mm. and so, I, I i was okay with that but i can understand why somebody would critique that pretty hard so i'm going to share a couple of quick images with you guys here because um you guys are i know are not familiar with the spanish actor paul nashi who's played the wolfman and several films but talking about his makeup i just wanted to give you guys an idea uh, it's too bad rod barnett and i talked about some of his movies um a few episodes ago but i he wasn't unfortunately able to make it here today but i want to um or he was he was unfortunately unable to make it here <coughs> excuse me but i wanted to show you uh what his werewolf look like in some of the films here's one i forget what this one is from oh wow that's cool um oh. he's done a lot of cool werewolf you know his movies don't have much continuity at all and it's generally the same character Voldemar Daninsky and it's sort of like a different origin story in every film but you just kind of have to go with it because mm. they're just fun to watch and then um this one I just found has like a, all no I don't know wow. if it's called, from several movies several iterations that he's done of the wolfman oh this is all the same dude same dude Paul Nashi and wow films maybe different makeup artists i'm not sure i like this one this one's my favorite one here yeah that's pretty awesome but i like it, the one to the left of it actually this one here 
Yeah. Yeah. I like the one right below that. I, I think that that looks really cool. I like mm. the dog ears. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like this one. He looks like a gorilla or something. Yeah. <laughs> and the one in the bottom left corner is pretty cool, too. This one? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So there's been a lot of werewolf movies out there. We've barely scratched the surface with these 13 episodes here. Um, wow. So I'm going to just stop sharing that. And then we'll we'll st- let's start wrapping this up here. Uh, get back to my notes. Um, as it takes five hours to come back up. Ah, oh, there we go. So uh, where did it go? Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there we go. So we I- talked about. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one more thing that I, I thought was a little bit of a missed opportunity was the bear when the when the um, when he went to the gypsy camp. Uh, he went. Yeah, he went to the gypsy camp okay. seeking out the woman to to talk about whatever. And then everybody started freaking out and running and like because the werewolf was there, like killing a bunch of the gypsies and and um you know they were trying to shoot it, and it was running behind the 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 the, ca- the um, carriages and and whatever. And right before that, they had the a bunch of them sp- like accusing the guy with the bear and saying, "Oh, the bear! It's the bear has been killing. It's it's pretty obvious that it's been a bear." And the guy's like, "No, he's just a performer. You know, he's he's harmless." And then the werewolf shows up and is like killing all these people. I'm like, well, how cool would it have been? If there was just like a moment where he just, you know, g- grabbed the bear and just ripped him in half or something like it would have been so cool just to have him, I don't know, kill the bear. The bear's there, you know, and even have the bear hold its own for a little bit, you know, just yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah, just for like a couple of, you know, 30 seconds or something and then either have it run away or have him like have the werewolf just rip it, you know, whatever, kill it. I felt like why introduce the fact that there's a bear there and then not maybe they skipped it because it was too much cgi or something maybe very possibly yeah i i always loved the so see bears for me i think are really great little little tidbit in human history because people did not believe bears really existed which is Mm. one of my favorite facts to learn uh ever people like like you know wolves are like we've always understood dogs and like werewolf not very funny bears Mm. Imagine trying to explain to somebody, so there's this giant furry tank, and it basically runs around on all fours, but if you piss it off, it'll get up on its hind legs and try and eat you. Um, (laughs) Like, that doesn't work, right? It doesn't make any sense. You would call somebody crazy for that. So so I totally agree with you that a bear is a missed opportunity to showcase the power of a a werewolf. Yeah. Like that. That really, I was like, I was a little like, oh, but then at the same time, I think it also would have been really sad if a performing bear did just get mauled because a <laughs> werewolf showed up. So I can kind of understand at least the reason why they wouldn't want to do that. Mm. Oh, my God. There's so many great sequence in, sequences in this, you know, like when he attacks the gypsy camp and the limbs are flying everywhere. That was awesome. Oh, that one dude's kill where he got a, the claw right in the mouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. right through the roof of his mouth and out through like his nose or whatever, or no, up from under his jaw out through his mouth. Yeah, which that I was fucking the first awesome. time I didn't see the hand underneath. I thought it went through the back mm-hmm. of his head, and then I watched it again this morning, oh. and I saw the the hand underneath the jaw, and I was like, oh, yeah. That's but rough. for me, my I'm favorite pretty... scene. Go, go ahead. Oh, go, go, go. Right. <laughs> my favorite scene in this though was 
um, when he was tied to the chair and all those people witnessed him turning in and then it became a bloodbath yeah. because, of course, the doors opened in instead of out. So they couldn't get out. The stupid janitor couldn't open the door because it was locked. It appears to be locked, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. It's locked. Open it. <laughs> That was just insane. I I love stuff like that. When, and then he ends up out. Were they in London or was it? It was. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were I London. think so. Yeah. 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 I love when monsters attack in like in the middle of the city. Yeah. It's so good. It was very reminiscent of American Wolf in London. I thought that was a very good thing that they that you you yeah. didn't get to see that. The kill, you know, the, it has seven times the amount of people dead does the original. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's an I think it's important that they they cater to that and made it feel gruesome. But then also when when he has this guilt over oh my god that I really just kill all those people, it feels like yeah motherfucker what the hell like yeah, it, there's a little shocked. bit of the audience going going well yeah I mean this is this is real you know it's not just like oh you grab you know you grab the groundskeeper and like we're like ah, okay I guess it's it's sad but okay like yeah. you know this dude worked for your family okay. No, 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 no. You you ransacked London. That's a big deal. I like that too, because they put both the like the remote village and the city into the same movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You never and I also, really I, get to see that. I really liked the fact that the father was a big game hunter and the whole interior of his house had all these these heads and taxidermied animals, and there was that constant like reminder of and then he said, Oh, I've seen what a bear can do and what a tiger can do, but I've never seen anything like this. And on the other hand, it's so malicious and like over the top that it seems like only a human could bring that much, you know, rage into a kill. And so I love that bit of dialogue. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, Anthony Hopkins has a great line when the, the villagers come to the house to attack Lawrence and he shoots the statue's head off near one of the main guys. And he goes, oh, sorry, Colonel, I meant to shoot you. Sadly, I'm not the marksman I once was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did love that line. I did think Anthony Hopkins really nailed that line. And I was like, yeah, there he is. There, there's the actor that I, that I mm. really wanted to see as as the father of, of this whole thing. So I, I get I, your point where he was phoning in this performance, you know, he it, it, really it, to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Just just in a, a few key moments where I was really hoping I would get to see something come out. And his character, well, instead of being this like detached psychopath, he just came off as just detached and almost like an abusive father, which I was kind of implied mm. because he kind of is like, oh, I, you know, I sent my son to an asylum for witnessing me kill his mom. Um, there's that. And they don't really kind of get into that. And he never really faces any accountability for it. Just the fact that he's a murdering psychopath or at least that he's come to be one so and, uh, wait a minute i hadn't thought about this before so the werewolf that attacks the gypsy camp is the father yes mm. so he bites his own son so that's why he sort of after that he kind of has a smug look on his face whenever he's talking to him because he knows that he's transforming into a werewolf yes i didn't i didn't catch that <laughs> i don't understand really why he does it is he trying to get the son to stay there and 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 like join him sort of or is he so, yeah. biting him to the, it's this is where i think i think anthony hopkins acting could have relayed so much story is it's kind of implied that that um because his son was an actor and not like not like him like a hunter for or i guess at some point he was disappointed in lawrence mm. that there was this this level of of oh i you know i don't appreciate you as my son and you know, they tried like that. That relationship didn't really ever get like as elaborated on when it really could have. 
and yeah. that I think I think that's where I, for me personally, I found that Anthony Hopkins could have just like come on, like tell us more about at least at least a little bit about your character, and that didn't mm. really come through for me. And I was like, mm. I kind of had to read into it, and I did a little bit of like um of plot synopsis, and I'm like, okay, I get it now because it's it has um Larry Talbot isn't an actor in the original, so that was a change, and right. they wanted to add more to this fit to this family. Like I said, instead of being you know a well-known aristocrat he's a you know kind of a a rough and tumble old man who's just been living in his rich house for a little while right and that's all right this makes me think of two things now actually so from the uh, scene from the original and then from this one so let's think about this so in the original when the gypsies um when bela attacks jenny and the gypsies all freak out and they're like there's a werewolf in camp there's a werewolf in camp so first of all how did they not know you know, Maliva obviously was hiding him well. And because they travel around, maybe he went out and killed, you know, outside of the mm. camp. So they never it never really affected them. But then in this movie, you've got Anthony Hopkins, who's living in the same house for who knows how many decades. He's only got a limited range that he can go to kill. You would think that after enough killings, after a while, the authorities would kind of figure it out and track him down to the house. You know, so I feel like that's well, he did that they he, hadn't considered or what? Yeah, he, he did say that he had the manservant like lock him up every oh, month. Oh, that's true. In that's the true. cellar. By the way, was the guy who played the manservant uh, the the chief terrorist from True Lies? Oh, it may have been. Because he looked a little familiar. If you shave off all the hair and stuff, uh, it might not be, but I couldn't tell you. Uh, let me look that up. Oh, my God. Come on. I mean, I can look it up. So I don't know why I'm just asking the question sitting here like an eggplant. No, it's all right. <laughs> I should have had it in my and I didn't really go through all the actors because I didn't really know many of them. Um, let's see. Wolfman. Did that manservant was also an addition. I thought that was a good a good addition that kind of allowed for this plot hole of well, what the fuck was he up to? Like, well, now we know, you know, Art Malik. Yeah. You know, now that you mention that, his face looks very familiar. Uh, where is he? He plays Sing, the sick. Sick, dude. <coughs> oh, yeah, that's him. That is him. Okay. Yeah, he was Aziz in True Lies. Oh, he was also in Living Daylights. Oh. That's a great name. <laughs> what? That's a great name for anything remotely related to vampires. <laughs> oh, it's a James Bond film, though. <laughs> it's a James Bond movie. Why? That sounds so good if it was a vampire thing. <laughs> God, you scared the living daylights out of me. I think that's a, a vampire said that to you. Says he's like, we're going to scare the living daylights out of something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was him. Good call on that one. I didn't even uh, recognize that. But... Um, yeah, so let's see. What else did I have to say here about this phlegm? Um, this phlegm. This phlegm. Yeah, like I mentioned, the only uh, only someone who loves him can kill him comes from House of Frankenstein. Um, yeah, it's too bad. That was like such a throwaway line. Like it, you almost you could almost watch the whole movie and not even notice that. You know, it was right. so. Yeah, but it did come into play right. at the end. But it did. Yeah. 
Um, and at least at the very beginning, they did the whole even a man who's pure in heart thing at the very, very beginning. And then mm. they never mentioned it again, which I thought was, yeah. your point was great. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't have to. Yeah. It, it was think, good that they mentioned it. I yeah. felt like that was to let you know, yes, this is a f- remake of the original. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And the dude that gets stuck in the quicksand and he goes to shoot himself and he's out of bullets and the Wolfman comes over and just swipes his head right off. I love the violence in this movie. It was so awesome. I'm like, if like I said earlier, if I ever wrote a werewolf story, this is what it would be like. Just just, just shredding through people like tissue paper. Right. Uh, right. It would be so I, I just loved it. Even the first guy who gets killed, he gets bitten and then the werewolf chases him and then comes up to him and rakes his claws right across the guy's face. And I was like, yes, now we're talking. Now, was that the brother at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. OK, so the father then killed he, his own son. Yes. Yeah, that was. But it's, they, they, I, think, <sighs> I think he says, oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. They never really explained why that happened. They they tried and I don't like it. <laughs> so what they tried yeah. to say was that Anthony Hopkins started to get the eyes for Gwen. And so on a subconscious oh. level, he chased after the son to get rid of him as competition. Uh, I see. Which adds to the theme of, um, you know, oh, this is all subconscious dealings. But <laughs> I still don't like it. <laughs> I still think that that's just kind of kind of a waste that they could have just, you know, they, they, they could have just decided, oh, we're just going to, you know, say they got into a falling out and then it was subconscious that he regrets it. But they never go into that. Yeah, they never address. It. It's just like they kind of imply that oh, Gwen is the object of desire and yeah. the, the, poor, the poor son gets killed by his dad for it. <laughs> what the cubic hell <laughs> what the- I like yeah but it's weird too because at the beginning the sun is in the forest going show yourself I know you're here and I'm like is he does he know it's the father or is he just looking for you know something that he it, they, I mean it doesn't need to be it's just an interesting intro I guess but um I like the fact I do you know I bitched about the exposition before but I do like the fact that the father explains that he was having the manservant like lock him up all the time when there was a full moon. So he couldn't get out and and do anything, but that they got drunk together or something. And the father, they started doing like a, like a boxing kind of thing, bare knuckle boxing. And the father knocked the manservant out. And then on that night, because he had knocked him out, he couldn't, the manservant couldn't lock him up. And so when he changed, that's when he went out and killed the mother. Oh, right. Okay. Because he never. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. That had slipped my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that the son saw the werewolf and blocked it out and replaced it in his head with her cutting her throat with the blade. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a cool touch because that does happen. Mm -mm. I thought that was really, really awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed that because I remember. Well, for me, it it affected my memory of the of the movie. I remember. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, he, he found the mom. And there was a whole thing with that. And then when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, I thought the dad was the werewolf. What? And then so so then now I go th- I'm going through the movie again and I'm having a reverse of what I had experienced the first time I watched it, where I was like, oh, my God, he's the werewolf. I thought he was a werewolf. Oh, he is a werewolf. 
So I had that moment, which is pretty funny. And I think that kind of plays into, you know, we've talked about this, the role playing game again and before. And again, they have something called the veil, which protects supernatural beings. So if a human sees something, their brain, something supernatural, their brain rationalizes it away. And that's what I think is illustrated here is that his he couldn't comprehend, especially as a little kid, a werewolf. So he rationalized it as the mother killed herself. Um, and as a defense mechanism, not only to keep the supernatural a secret, but also to protect his brain from frying, you know. Yeah, no, that would no. He and he he got sent to the asylum. Either way, like he right. would have gone to an asylum. I saw my mother killed by a werewolf. Get out of here, kid. Right. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> Versus, oh, I saw my dad kill my mom. You're still out of here, kid. Right, like, right. <laughs> like, sorry, son. So um. there's that. So a couple of quick things I wanted to mention. Apparently, there's a director's cut out there, which I was unaware of, and it's unrated. Oh, I, mean, I think it this... adds like 17 minutes. Oh, I, I, I the one I watched last night was unrated. Uh, we, what platform did you watch it on? I think I rented it on YouTube. Oh, OK, because I watched it on. What did we watch on Spence? Peacock, I think. Peacock, yeah. Yeah. So it didn't say unrated. Um, but apparently, Max von Sydow appears as an elderly man at the beginning who gives Lawrence Talbot the cane. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see that scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was in the one I watched. Um, oh, okay. I guess I saw the extended one then. Rick Baker uh, makes a cameo as uh, the first gypsy who's killed in that whole sequence. And one thing I thought was interesting, and I, I was actually trying to listen to it when I watched it the second time around this morning. Um, apparently, they incorporated elements from rock singers Gene Simmons and David Lee Roth, as well as opera singers and animal impersonators into the werewolf's howl. And huh. I didn't. Quite... Yes, I did hear that. Did you? Okay. Well, I didn't. I I heard the fact. I didn't necessarily necessarily actually hear it in terms oh, okay. of proper. proper <laughs> oh, you listening. heard the. Yeah. I okay. knew that. I knew that fact because I I I had learned that, but I did not know. I did not really. I didn't. I didn't really hear it, which I think is actually a good thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of a net net but positive. But yeah, it's great. Blend those sounds together. I mean, like you know, and and then and then it's great. It's got layers, but you know. Um, some of them are human and some of them are animal. And I thought that worked really well. I actually, at the end of the movie, even though it's kind of a cliche in monster movies, you know, the end of the movie where he's about to kill Gwen and she's trying to talk to him. Like, I know you're in there and you know me, whatever. I was actually a little bit scared for her because at no other point in the movie did, did, uh, Talbot show any self control when he was in the in the werewolf form. He was just ripping people to pieces, right? And there was no restraint whatsoever. So even when she was trying to talk to him and stuff, and he sort of hesitated, I thought, "Oh, it's not going to last. Like he's gonna he's gonna go right back into attack mode and rip her head off, and then the police are going to have to shoot him or something." But and he did. Um, That's what happened. He shot him. Yeah, right. No, she shot him. She shot him, she she shot shot him just as he was about to lunge at him. Right. Which I thought was I thought was awesome. I think you're you're right that it was just really so she she survived. She shot him. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought he was gonna like hesitate and then kill her and then um, the cops would shoot him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm glad that All didn't right. happen. I'm happy that they stuck with the, you know, yeah, loved one has to kill you ordeal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's wrap this up here, guys. It's been uh, three hours. So Woo-hoo! almost three hours. So final thoughts, Michael, you go. Final thoughts on the remake of The Wolfman. I think the whole father-son Anthony Hopkins thing is a decent idea. 
but I think explaining the father's role in the whole thing, there was a little too much explaining and the final fight wasn't great, but I think Benicio del Toro was awesome and the transformations were awesome and the violence was fucking awesome. And I even liked Emily Blunt. They did. They, uh, as Spencer said, they grossly underutilized her character, but I thought for what they did give her, she, she was really really good she was kind of like reserved and buttoned down but she also has this like smoldering look in her eyes that i thought uh worked really well for all of it and at the end she played i think she played the her being torn between you know not wanting to kill him and knowing she has to like i thought that was really well done so i love this movie i'll definitely watch it again spence uh, yeah, I really agree. I think it, while like every other movie has its flaws, I think it's a great movie and I think it brings a lot to the table and is an, is an excellent example of a remake done right. I think it expands on everything, takes its own creative liberties, and it does everything just how it really should have been, you know, with, with its, with its moments of weakness. And I overall really like this movie and, if you're a fan of the original, I think you'll like this movie. And if you've never heard of the original, I think this movie is a good, good, good description of a remake. So overall, I definitely eight out of ten would rewatch. Uh, really enjoyed it. I agree. I agree with both of you. Definitely rewatchable. I really enjoyed this film even more so this time around than the first time. It definitely did hold up. Um, you know, I loved one thing we didn't really talk about. I love the fast pacing in this movie, but it wasn't too fast paced. A lot of the camera work really lent itself to adding to this sort of tension as the movie's building up. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you can't argue with limbs flying and blood and guts everywhere. Which just it was so satisfying on a werewolf end of things that I thought that right there is a selling point for this movie. Um, it definitely obviously is not as good as the original. I don't think anything's going to ever top the original, but much like I said before, it's like Jurassic Park three. It's a decent monster movie. It's not terrible. It's Mm -hmm. really fun. Um, Del Toro, as you guys mentioned, he's great in this. Um, Emily Blunt, she's one of those actresses that I couldn't tell you anything she's been in. I've heard the name. I, I thought she was like in a go host. A quiet place. Or something. She's been in tons of stuff. (laughs) Been in a quiet place. She's married to John Krasinski. Um, yeah, <laughs> she was in um, Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Oh, I still haven't seen that. The Wash Wind. Oh, that's really good. You got to see that. That's a good movie. I realize it's a one I, of the. I think one of Tom Cruise's best movies. I've heard mm. it's good. I want to see that. But um, so anyways, yeah, I definitely recommend this. Um, if you want to start off with the original and then go to this one, I and you you know you're shy about blood and guts, that's probably the route to take. Um, and then if you are, if, you know, a little squeamish, I would definitely probably stay away from the director's cut, which 17 more minutes of bloodshed, I would imagine. So, <laughs> um, yes. Oh, you know what? I didn't show. Oh, shoot. Uh, one last thing. And it's not really a big deal, but I just I didn't get to show the um, see. Now, we've been always showing um, uh, movie ads from newspapers and. Mm-hmm. By 2010, they really weren't doing it all that much. So I only have two and they're actually both kind of similar or very similar. Um, So I'll show this real quick and then we'll wrap things up. This was from the Chicago Tribune, which I think pretty much across the board. This was just their ad, their promotional poster. That's pretty great. I like it. I love that. Yeah. And then this one's uh, pretty much identical, except at the top. It has the legend is alive, which I thought was Mm. really cool. But 
I don't know what they why it didn't do well. The marketing must just not have been there. For I it. don't either. We certainly saw it in the theater. So, yeah, I, I can't figure out why it because there's plenty of other weaker movies out there that are, that did better financially. Right. So definitely, I don't understand. Definitely. You know. So I'm not I'm not quite I think also it would have been a better success if they didn't need the extra seventy five million dollars. Right. Um <laughs> I think that was a big uh, a big big blemish for what, what was considered a success, but even the fans really didn't like it and I don't get why. I think it's a it's a it's a movie that could could have done with a rewrite, but like most movies could have done with a rewrite, so it's fine. Oh, the mm. critics hated it. They absolutely did. Well, folks, that's all we have for this year's uh, 2023 13 Days of Hallowtober, in which we talked about werewolf movies. So thank you for joining us. And if you haven't had a chance to check out these films that we talked about, they're really good, except maybe one or two of them. But beyond that, I think uh, we got some winners here. There are so many, so many werewolf movies out there. So um, you may as well start at the beginning and go watch The Wolfman and then go from there. So thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great Halloween and great October. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of Then Is Now podcast. Thank Bye, you. everybody. See you later. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today's episode of this year's 13 Days of Hallowtober. Don't forget to check out our website at havenpodcasts.com where you'll find our other shows, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers Kung Fu films and spaghetti westerns from the 60s to the 80s, and The Cult Movie Lounge where we talk about all cult movies all the time. And check out our live monthly streaming show, Fright Lounge, in which the best horrorologists in town discuss horror media for the seasoned horror fan, as well as introducing newbies to the genre. And at our website, you can also find my blogs, Then Is Now, The Films of John Saxon, and Horror Films of the 1970s. If you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that other listeners can find us. Thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful October. only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.